welcome to the Long Take Review, a film podcast with one eye always on the Oscar race. I'm your host, Jen Subchakjai Bankard, and I'm here with the only other person who might be more upset that Dune Part 2 isn't coming out this year. It's P.T. McNiff. How's it going, P.T.? Sorry to start with a bummer. Fear is the mind killer, but anticipation is the heart killer. And I am impatiently anticipating Dune Part 2, <sighs> but we have to wait another few months. Uh, I'm doing well. Besides that, I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, and, and the news has sat with us long enough that I'm, I'm, I'm starting to process it. So if you listen to our last episode... We're referring to news that kind of torpedoed what we were trying to do. We tried to give our absurdly early Oscar predictions, but we ran into two significant problems. We talked for way too long, which is not that's on brand that's and, uh, and and only made it through about half the categories. We never even made it to any of the bubble line categories. <laughs> and and then secondly, pretty soon after we stopped recording, more, probably the next day, Warner Brothers announced that Dune Part 2 was getting pushed to March 2024 instead of the originally planned November 2023. Uh, so we wanted to just give a big thank you to Greg, uh, who very kindly, I think he enjoyed himself too, re- re- recorded a, a really funny pickup where he basically did the Arrested Development Ron Howard voice of correcting us every time <laughs> we mentioned Dune, which was quite a lot. Um, how are you feeling about those predictions that we made pt well first i want to add an addition to second the thanking of greg i want to thank you for the audio production of the time travel womb womb in and out sounds uh, of of greg's interruptions because that really added to the episode and the effect of greg's interruptions uh, i mean it doesn't feel great that we we really thought that Dune Part Two was the front runner in most of those categories that we talked about last week, and now it's it's off the table. And you know, as, as we will be discussing, because of the delay or, or extended amount of time between the last time we spoke and doing these above the line or sort of the, the second half of it, we've gotten a lot more information from these various film festivals. So. You know, I would tweak it. I would I would make some changes, but you know, that's why they were absurdly early. So besides the the Dune disappointment, uh, you know, it's I wouldn't go back. Let's look forward. <laughs> I like it, and, and yeah, I agree. It's probably for the best, not only because we sort of invo- avoid we will now avoid even bigger inaccuracies factoring in Dune. Right now that we know we can't factor in Dune, uh, but as you mentioned a lot of the film festivals are either done or already underway. So Venice and Telluride, Telluride just finished. And so we've got some some indicators from, from those festivals. And then TIFF is about to end. I think it ends on Sunday. Uh, I think Sunday morning, they're going to announce the audience winner, which as we discussed in our last episode, is sort of the, the one of the big predictor pretend, predictors or indicators uh, for who's a front runner at this point in the Oscar race. So, you know, we're, we are going to try to be more efficient with our time this time around uh, and just dive right into the, I think we have 10 big categories left, uh, including, you know, the huge ones like director, best picture, all the acting categories. Uh, but if you would like more context and preamble, we've got it in spades in our other episode. So if you want to go back and w- listen to that, we basically have sort of like an Oscars 101 and kind of an overview of the fall film festival season and sort of what that's all about. So that that's, that's got your kind of like information. If you, if you're new to this 
Oscar predictions game. Uh, but if you're ready to rumble with us, we're just going to get right into it. Um, so we're going to kind of work our way up to Best Picture and start with editing. So, PT, we'll start with you. How are we feeling about editing right now? Well, I would say in the in the wake of the reaction to movies at the at those big festivals that you were just talking about, Venice and Telluride, I, I think this is uh, this was at both of those. Uh, the movie I'm going to talk about was at both of those. Uh, there's there's a new uh, a new sort of front runner or a new a new movie that joins the makes the triangle with. Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer as a sort of perennial favorite across a lot of these categories. Uh, and that is Poor Things, the new Yorgos Lanthimos movie, which is getting rave reviews. There's, we, we'll talk, I believe, later about, you know, are we sure this could actually get momentum? But it right now sort of has the feeling of everybody loves it. Everybody is really into it. But they're all like, I don't know if the Academy will go for this, which you know, maybe is true and maybe there's too much there and it's for sort of critics and festival types uh, and, and indie heads exclusively. But that also kind of sounds like the everything everywhere all at once and the shape of water thing of, oh yeah, this movie is everyone likes it, but uh, it's got these elements that are too weird or too out there. So uh, that, all that's a preamble to say, uh, if we went back and did do some of those uh, below the line ones uh, again, and even now at this point for going forward, you're going to hear a lot of these three movies, Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Poor Things, top three uh, for editing uh, right now uh, in terms of the prognostications. Um, you know, barring barring some change, barring some strange world where Killers of the Flower Moon comes out and everyone's like, actually, we don't like this. I think that one is in a, in a prime position. Oppenheimer has already been out and, and people are enjoying it feel like because it has all the, the multiple sort of timelines it's cutting between these different stories uh, that the editing there will will carry forward and I, people are I'm trying to not learn too much about what happens in poor things but it sounds like there's a similar a wide scope of t- telling a lot of different parts of the story so uh, the editing seems like that will be hmm. very important right so typically movies that have a lot of editing or just like very noticeable editing tend to do really well in this category uh so i i agree that oppenheimer because it has all those cuts to killian murphy and to vast the vastness of space right that's (laughs) it's doing the sort of more abstract kind of eisensteinian montage thing i think that that that's that's definitely in here and there's no reason to kind of there's nothing kicking that out at this point um and i think you're right killers of the flower moon i'm optimistic about it in general it hasn't it's only premiered at Cannes, right? So like only a small subset of critics have seen it. But I feel like there was enough discussion of like, is this Martin Scorsese's greatest film since the fill in the blank of like his one of his greatest films, right? So, uh, you know, there's enough of that talk. There's a lot of people who are like, it's not the best, but it's still amazing. So I, I feel like the, the, the response was warm enough that it's just kind of simmering in the background and that it's going to probably, when it comes out in a while, like more people see it, I think it's going to, really take its place in the race. <laughs> um, they just released another trailer. Did you see it? I did. I, I chose to not watch it because okay. I'm ready to just see it. If I see it in the theater, so be it. But I actually did see uh, when I went to the theater yesterday, they had the first trailer still. So I was glad to see that again on the big screen, but I'm, I'm ready to not see any more of that movie. It and does, just you, you probably shouldn't. I, I watched it. I didn't regret watching it necessarily, but it does 
give more about the plot mm. than okay. the previous one. Not by a lot, but like, and, it, it, and it's very implicit. It's sort of like, but it definitely suggests, seems to suggest something that is probably true in the plot that like, I don't know if you want to go in fresh, it's not great, but I, it got me really pumped. So I was like, and I was already pretty, I was already pretty primed for this movie. So yeah, the, in terms of narratives to go back to, for those of you who didn't listen to our last episode, the narratives of it all, uh, I think, are really interesting. There's the potential narrative of Killers of the Flower Moon has been expected to do well at the Oscars now for like two and a half years. Uh, and it was potentially going to come out last year, but it didn't. It was basically done, but it got held back and it's being held back until the fall so it could get this rollout that it's possible by the time it comes out, people are like, Okay, like we we've heard about this for a long time. We're kind of over it. But assuming that isn't the case, it has the juice, both in terms of the quality of the movie itself and also the the people, the the critics, the audiences are ready to be locked in and go along for the ride. It does seem like similar to uh you know, similar to Oppenheimer and to to a, a little degree as well, similar to, to Barbie, where it's just sort of like people like these movies. These movies have been very well received and are successful. They're they're sort of they're they're running forward. And to to add to what you said about editing, can frequently be a lot of editing. It's also a lot of editing in a movie that has got a lot of Academy Award momentum in the higher up categories too. Yeah, so, and I'd say the yeah. three that you mentioned are expected at this point to be pretty big players across all categories, more or less, right? They're going to have the high, like some of the highest nomination counts, according to a lot of pundits. So I think that that's, and editing is usually paired with a best picture nomination. So it's like, you know, or at least that's kind of a prerequisite or a bellwether of like, if you're a best picture nominee and you have an editing nomination, like you're kind of more in the front of the pack. And so I think, yeah, those having those three in there, especially since poor things, won the golden lion at venice and which is like the big award there and just so many people are sort of like wow this is a player now whereas they weren't before because you know yorgos lanthimos is like not the most accessible director (laughs) his stuff is typically very weird um and so that's the only thing that might and we'll talk about this more later i'm sure though we've said that twice now so maybe we should just talk about it now uh but but the favorite did really well at the oscars but relative to other films that he's done, it's sort of the most palatable and least weird. It's still pretty weird, to be clear. But, you know, relatively, right? So so if this one, this one sounds like it's bonkers uh, and has, like, a ton of graphic sex in it and is just, like, strange and fantastical and, like, people are like, what am I watching? So, you know, depending on how, how ramped up that dial is, that to me is like, can it really go, be a really big across the board contender with lots of nominations or, or, or is it like a relegated to like a couple key categories? So that, so right now people are really high on it. So I think, I think it deserves an editing spot just for that. Yeah. And the question last year was are hot dog fingers and dildo fights a, a bridge too far for voters in the Academy for everything everywhere. And, and it wasn't, but you know the the type of sex scenes that at least they're describing seem like oh yeah maybe maybe that'll be too much that might go that might turn enough people off that it doesn't it doesn't get up to that level or you know the hype kind of peaks will will be touching upon or at least I will be right. touching upon one or two movies where we we are post peak of their hype and I think that they might hang on for some things but 
you know, if we had done a, a very premature episode, like a few months before now, uh, they would, they would have, they would have that sort of poor things like everyone saying this is going to be successful. But, you know, as time goes on, maybe it just sort of fades a little and, and cools off. So did you also have these three in your, in your editing? So wait, what are your other two? Well, I, well, I, that's, I wanted to make sure we were on okay. the same page with yeah. that. Uh, so my, my other two, and basically for all of these, I have like a solid three or four. And then I kind of was like, oh, like just call a shot with sort of out of nowhere, having not seen these with a bunch of kind of movies underneath okay. that yeah. could be in. Um, but the two I went with for editing are The Killer and Zone of Interest. And zone of interest is, I think, the biggest reach here. I'm sort of thinking that's the serious movie that is going to hold the momentum to get a, a few of these sort of tailwind ones. It'll get into best picture. Uh, spoiler, uh, and and I think we'll get some some other ones underneath. It's uh, supposed to be a very brutal watch, but the the response from the people who saw it at Telluride. Uh, it, it had premiered at, at Cannes, but it was at Telluride as well. Uh, whereas very similarly of like, this movie is absolutely incredible. It is one of the most brutal things I've ever done. And I don't know if I can ever even think about it again, which maybe isn't a great recipe for success and for getting people to sit through it, right. to to give it give it award votes. Especially since the Academy has been trending more towards crowd pleasers, at least for winners. I yeah. don't know about nom- nominations. isn't necessarily true. Um, the other thing about Zone of Interest is like, I feel like, it's too early to tell if it can push past the international feature mm-hmm. bubble. You know what I mean? Cause that's the question is like, what makes it into the, like what, what pushes past that and gets nominations elsewhere. Um, so yeah, but we're, if I say more, I'm spoiling in a future category discussion, I think. Um, so I actually had two different ones in my Great. last few spots. Um, I had Ferrari, Michael Mann's Ferrari, which like has gotten, mixed reviews uh but the one thing people are like saying is and agreeing upon universally are is the idea that the car chases or the car not chases sorry it's not a bond movie uh, (laughs) the races races ferrari's race they're all Um, chasing first place jen so really it is a car chase (laughs) um but yeah the the car basically the 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 car racing scenes are really thrilling and really well done so i think editing is a key component of that most likely um that that in order to kind of like make a race exciting and make it coherent i know amanda dobbins on the big picture was like saying well i had some questions about how races work but it otherwise it was very legible and easy to follow as someone who doesn't watch for get up at 4 a.m to watch formula one or something like that right so um so yeah i think that's in there regard and that's going to be like a if the movie overall doesn't do that well at the oscars i feel like this is a still could is a, a viable category for it uh as like one of its few nominations and then the other one i had was air uh which i think Way back when Greg and I did our review of Air, we sort of concluded that at that point in the year, because it was so early, it it had a chance, but that it would like it was starting at the middle of the pack and would get slowly dropped down, down, down until it kind of got squeezed out of contention. But that was before the strike. So I feel like now that's a lot of things, you know, like Dune uh, have are getting pushed to next year and the sort of the field gets a little thinner. I think there's room for something like air to sort of sneak in and surprise everybody. <laughs> um, and it is really, it actually editing is, I think is one of its strongest features. So 
I think that's this is a place that it could just like sneak in and people would be like, huh, that movie. Okay. Um, <laughs> even though it was a movie, I enjoyed it a, a great deal, but I feel like it's, you know, it's and, and also like just the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon factor. And I think during the strike, they've earned a lot of goodwill, um, you know, thinking about external narratives like they they've they've there's a new story going around that was like they offered to pay all of Jimmy Kimmel's staff so they could resume the show um, or something like that. Right. Like, so they, and they wouldn't be breaking the the strike agreement, but you know uh, so, and people like them generally. So, so that's a definitely just for editing. I'm not willing to, to put that air in many other categories, but that's, that's one I think could be the random because usually editing has one movie that's not really in the conversation. Otherwise, <laughs> That's true. Where it's like, oh, oh, sure, okay. Uh, that's yeah. Ferrari was my sixth. I had that in sixth place. I think that I was like, I want to, I want to try to zag a little bit, and I move zone of interest up. That I think good. that Ferrari makes a lot of sense there. I, I also think there there are a few movies that are. F- I want to say fading. That's not fair, but they, Maestro I feel like is fading a little bit because people were like, eh, I don't know about Maestro when when it premiered from Venice. But if it's, if it starts, if people are like, no, I like it, like the general public uh, and more critics like it when it comes out, that could potentially be one of those movies that just gets the, you know, swept up on the tails. Uh, if it is well assembled and the editing is good to, to very good or, or even great. And, uh, and then that have a lot of music in right. the story do well. Cause then it, you know, the editing is usually cut to the music and that could be very, rewarding Uh, and i had that as one of my runner-ups nice question mark (laughs) um and then similarly uh or just i guess sort of the 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 opposite of that is because it's gotten so much of a bump after its premiere um maybe the holdovers makes it up here just because if the holdovers gets you know we got pain pain momentum and people are just really into uh alexander payne's new movie maybe that ends up getting one of these uh, bottom two slots mm-hmm. down here. And then there's some question marks we just don't know about, which is the color purple uh, and my beloved Napoleon, which uh, probably isn't going to go anywhere. And, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of excitement for the color purple below the lines outside of the music component, uh, but in the sort of more technical side, but maybe the color purple is incredible and everybody is excited and it, it sort of gets in there. Yeah, I think for those two, I feel like at best, and we should move on to another category because now we're talking about other things, but yes. the at best, it's going to do what West Side Story did, but West Side Story had a Steven Spielberg factor, and so I feel like that might, the comp might not be apt uh, necessarily, but so it might not even make it that far, but you know, I'm, I feel like Color Purple could easily be one of those movies that just comes and goes. And no one talks about. It could end up on this had Oscar buzz where it was like, oh, yeah, that was a movie everyone thought would be good. And then it, no one cared. Right. And that's not to say I don't think it's going to be good. The trailer looks good. Like, it looks perfectly fine. Like, it's going to be, you know, a good adaptation or, you know, and have good music and good performances. But, you know, and just in terms of Oscar Oscar buzz, it, I, I don't know. I'm questionable. <laughs> I'm questioning it. Um, but, yeah. All right. So cinematography, a somewhat similar category because it is you know, it leans more craft, but oftentimes is tied to best picture, the best picture narrative. Yes. Um, and yeah. I, I want to, uh, I'll let you go first twice in a row, but I'm just going to say this. I put this, my list together, piece together at different times, and I'm only realizing it now. Uh, I chose the same five movies as I did for Ed. Oh, 
So boom, Whoa. I'm just gonna bam, put that out there. Done. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, and that, I mean, that's fair. That's because, as I was saying, like these are two categories that often, unlike other crafty categories or more technical categories, they they kind of have more of a link uh, to the bigger categories. So I had the same big three: Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Poor Things. But then I had Maestro and Saltburn. Now, I think Saltburn's stock in general has gone down after people saw it at Telluride, right? I think it was at Telluride. Mm-hmm. Um, bec- and it just, the the word I keep hearing is polarizing, where it's like, and it's, you know, that's no surprise because the same thing happened to Promising Young Woman, Emerald Fennell's last film, where people, I, people either loved it or were very skeptical of it. So I think that that means that Saltburn doesn't really have a lot of, it's like it's not, it's, I, I took kind of took it out of my even my short list for like bigger categories. But the one thing I keep hearing is that it looks beautiful. And just like the shot compositions and the the like exteriors of the estate and like that the stuff kind of the stuff that we've seen in stills that have circulated and in the trailer that is just like visually very striking. And so for that reason, I still have it in here. Um, I don't I had I took it out of a lot of other categories, but I left it in here. Um, yeah, I had it six. That was, it was right there at the, on the outside looking in. Uh, and I also had Maestro and Ferrari, uh, for, you know, as reasons previously discussed. And I also had for my, my last honorable mention past lives, which is the movie that I was thinking of earlier of if we did this a couple months ago, it would be like, well, past lives, but right. it's just now kind it's of faded away from memory. Uh, I'm hoping so it sort sad. of makes a comeback, uh, but I don't know if with all the more showy movies that are out there and have a, a good shot here that there's a really good chance it could get there. Yeah. But- I think if I were nominating films, past lives would be in here because I think for so, so many of the shots are so beautifully composed and for a movie that is so quiet, a lot of the time, it has to really lean on it. Like, you know, the cinematography becomes even more important in terms of the storytelling. And I think it really does that well. So, yeah, but I don't think I don't I don't think it really has a chance at this point. Unless this a- unless there's like a renewal in its its buzz or like some kind of narrative that happens and it gets swept up. Which sort of feels like that would only happen if a lot of these movies come out and people are like, I do not like them. I'm, I'm, I'm against the movies. And so they go back to the old one. Uh, I will say listeners can uh, hear, hear me uh, attempt to strong arm Jen slightly, but at some point we should do an episode leading up to the Oscars on what we want, like what we would pick, not what we think will win, but just what would be our categories. What yeah, would be our so we winners. should do our own long take review awards. Lots of podcasts. Yes, the, the longies. The line. let's come up let's workshop yeah okay um, we'll, we'll, we'll work on that <laughs> uh but the other one i had on here with a question mark was the bike riders which wasn't really on my radar but premiered at i believe tit i'm gonna get it wrong now it premiered at one of these festivals that happened recently um and a trailer came out which i watched did you watch the trailer for this i did not see the trailer for it okay i didn't so, know actually the trailer was available online it is uh a lot of it shot in black and white, if not all of it. I'm actually not certain about that, but uh, like the the trailer, I believe, is in black and white, <laughs> um, or at least partially. And then it's it's adapted from a photograph book. So I feel like to me, I'm like, mm, like, and from seeing the seeing the trailer, it 
it looks really pretty <laughs> and it does have that sort of like james dean kind of americana sort of like feel to it and i feel like there's probably people are kind of probably kind of hungry for that the the in terms of the story it basically looks like sons of anarchy crossed with the outsiders um because it's about a motorcycle gang in like the 50s or 60s uh there's lots of like greasy greased hair and leather jackets and whatnot and um but it, and it looks like there's like infighting and organized crime and like or that actually a lot of critics i think compared it to they were like uh goodfellas but with motorcycles that's got your attention i think I mean, so. <laughs> i'm not i'm not against that in any way um it has austin butler um tom hardy jody comer with apparently a re really ridiculous chicago accent um that's that's already there's already discourse around it uh <laughs> in the critical crit movie critic community um but yeah so this one i feel like could be a sleeper I, you know, the response to it, some people were really into it. Other people were sort of like, it's, it was pretty, but the, like, it was sort of like, it's nothing, it's not in the story's not innovating or anything like that. It's sort of what you would expect it to be. Um, and so, so I, unclear if it like actually breaks into any, any categories, but I feel like cinematography would be a good one. And, and cinematography has that somewhat, somewhat of a reputation of the, within the category, they will go a little off the script of what the rest of the trends are across the awards. Like last year, uh, Empire of Light and Bardo both got nominations here, even though those movies had completely dissipated in the rest of right. the conversation. Right. Yeah. There's usually always one where people are like, oh, I thought no one liked that movie and it still makes it. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. But, and the other thing I've heard uh, across multiple sources is that Austin Butler is being shot very purposely to be handsome and that this is this is causing a stir so like <laughs> and his handsomeness will not be detracted by his uglifying in dune part two right. so the, the the runway is clear for just yes. everyone to flock to the theater <laughs> to to see austin butler i will just also note that it's bike riders is directed by jeff nichols who directed oh, yeah. take shelter mud midnight special and loving uh midnight special and loving coming out the same year is absolutely wild uh and he hasn't done a movie since then it's been seven years that he's been working i think a long a lot of that time was trying to get this made so yeah so that's another one that that i think before film the film festival season started i did not really have on my radar i had heard it mentioned but i was like i don't know what that is and now i'm like oh it's it's in it's at least on the board um but yeah uh so next we have original screenplay which there was major news for this just yesterday. I want to say it was, it was very recent. Uh, Barbie announced that it is campaigning in original screenplay as opposed to adapted. I had originally had it adapted. And the people listening may not grasp the level of nerdiness with which this type of news being important gets What are you talking to. about? This is huge. <laughs> Big news, breaking news. But the it's because there are these esoteric rules about any movie or any screenplay that's based on a pre-existing material is adapted so any sequel even if it's like a totally new story but it's it's a sequel because the, it's adapting the characters from the previous one goes into adapted uh there have been times when 
you know, oh, we found out that there was a short play that was produced uh, of this story and we, we, we got it nom- we wanted to nominate it or campaign for it in original. You can't do that. It's got to go and adapt it. So the question was, is a movie that's based on a product that has existed for 50, 60 years, however long, uh, is that like, you know, is that something that is existing? Is that an existing story or narrative? Or is it just a property and an IP and switching it? You know, that it was very unclear. So they've they announced the Warner Brothers announced they were going to campaign an original. I assume they cleared it with the Academy that the Academy is not going to come in in a couple months and be like and just put them in adapted (laughs) yeah or like all your votes for original will not count and it's just not going to get nominated but yeah it's it's very interesting to a very uh, nerdy selection of people who care about this sort of thing well so i had assumed because this wasn't like a a foregone conclusion that it would be an adapted there were critics who were saying like it's kind of up in the air because there isn't necessarily a lot of precedent in terms of movies that are based on like you said are based on products or ip that sort of make it this far and so like because i think people were talking about the lego movie the lego movie was inadapted because it was like it's based on toys that pre-existed but then it never actually got nominated i think and so it's like we never we'll never they were it was the conclusion was sort of like we'll never know we'll never know what would have happened with the lego movie um but i think for me the in the opening credits it says based on the toy or something like that. Like it has a thing that's like, this is based on Barbie, the toy. So that was sort of like, oh, that's language that to me signals. We acknowledge that there's sort there's not literary source material <laughs> that this is based on. Um, but I think this is actually very significant in terms of how the overall campaign for Barbie is going to go. Because to me, them staking a claim in original screenplay is them being like, no, this is deserving of being in the conversation for Oscars because Greta Gerwig did an amazing thing. She really innovated. She did something different. She was bold. And I think that the original screenplay categorization is part of that narrative that they're probably trying to build for the for it not just being a blockbuster and making a billion dollars, but that it actually is like artistically valuable enough to be in the Oscars conversation. So so I think this is this is a pretty big deal. And also I think they are all they also are thinking, oh, Dune, like the other blockbusters are not coming out this year. So here's our here's our chance. Let's get in there. Um, and so I think Barbie in general at this point has has the, its stock has gone up in terms of Oscars nominations. Yeah, it's. I mean, Oppenheimer is the other blockbuster now, which is yeah, which is so not, weird. Not really, not really what was expected. But yeah, no, I think it's a great. It's a really great point that it's trying to send the message. This is a Greta Gerwig movie. This is not a toy movie. Uh, even though they're planning a billion other toy movies as a result, uh, <laughs> so, Mattel or whatever is not in Hasbro. They're not. They're not thinking of it that way at all. They're. They're definitely trying to capitalize on this. Gobots um, for Best Picture twenty thirty one. Well, there's a Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie that they listed, right? I think there's a whole list of. Yeah, go Google that, it. That's an adapted screenplay because it's based on Real Steel, the Hugh Jackman movie. <laughs> that's right. Oh, I forgot about that movie. Um. Anyway. So original screenplay. So yeah, this this kind of shook things up a little bit for me. Um, I have past lives because I think even if past lives overall momentum fades, I think it's still the minimum. It's still starting at a screenplay nomination just because people are not going to forget 
like the writers are not going to forget about past lives, <laughs> uh, even if everybody else does. Uh, I have the holdovers um, just because I that the most of the positive comments about that film have been about the story and sort of the and the performances, which we'll get into later. But like you now people are people are generally positive about the, the writing. And, and that feels like, you know, original screenplay is often like the cool kids club where it's like the movies that are kind of offbeat, like, you know, the licorice pizzas and the um, like the movies that are like, Oh, we, we like these cause they're cool and artsy. Um, they usually, that those are the types of films that typically end up in original screenplay. And so I think the holdovers could be in that category. I have anatomy of a fall um, just because people are saying that's so tightly constructed as a thriller and a, and a mystery and, you know, um, so that's if that really has as big a push as I think it's going to past again, breaking past that international feature bubble. I think it could end up in here. Um, I do have Barbie. I probably should have led with that since we spent like 10 minutes talking about Barbie first. Uh, <laughs> but I think it was such a late addition that I just put it in the empty spot I had. Um, uh, Barbie. Yeah, these aren't necessarily ranked in, in order of like strongest to, to least strong. Uh, yeah, Barbie, I think if it's in original, I think it has a actually it would have had a harder time winning in adapted probably now it actually it's like oh this is like it's because it's the big movie that's now in here um as opposed to all these other small movies that are I agree. Cow cowering in its wake um and then i also my last spot was really hard i have maestro right now because i feel like it's a biopics with original screenplays i feel like people are people respect that um that's not based on a biography or like some pre-existing novel um so i don't know that yeah but that's that's very much with like an asterisk of like if that over movie does win well overall it could be in here um but yeah i had the same top four as you or the same initial okay. four i wouldn't say top but th for the you know you said all the reasons why uh but yeah barbie past lives holdovers anatomy of a fall and similarly was like i think this is true for a lot of the categories that i feel really good about these but uh, i don't know now it's just a coin flip <laughs> i kept salt burning even though like you said it had a real kind of divisive reaction but i think emerald Fennell has uh, you know the right she's been her lovers category she won in this category she won yeah was it it was yeah. original right i believe uh, it was so so yeah she's won before and that you know it's it, that people may want to go back uh, and and vote for her again um i had like my long shot wish which i don't think will happen i want Miyazaki to get nominated for the boy and the heron. Oh, I don't, I don't foresee that being a thing I don't that, think would, that's happening. that they would do, but uh, you know, they have nominated animated screenplays before, but you know, it's rare. And my guess is that as, as much as people are like, poor things might be just too weird for the Academy voters. Like Miyazaki movies are also generally pretty weird. And the trailer that came out for the boy and the heron. I was just, doesn't make it look to, not weird. I was just listening to little gold men which is a great, a great podcast is the Vanity Fair award season podcast. And most of not all of them were like good for like, we love that people love Miyazaki, but we had no idea what was going on in that movie. <laughs> yeah, that sounds so, right. um, so I feel like there's going to be a lot of that, uh, which might hold it back in some, in some cases beyond animated feature, but yeah. I so that's, that's my sort of like, I wanted to put that in five, but I was like, that's not going to happen. I wanted to so, put Asteroid City in five. And I'm like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Because somehow, somehow Wes Anderson doesn't, 
is is not doesn't exist according to the academy <laughs> yeah the other the other one i want to just have on the table as an honorable mention is may december yeah I which i feel like there's not hasn't been that much talking about it like recently but that's partially i don't think it was at any of these recent festivals it, it was, was at, at can i believe so it was but, at one of the earlier festivals right in the spring but right. yeah i that one also might be too weird in a very different way because as we've I think we've talked about before, the plot is about a woman and a woman who marry like has starts a relationship with a minor and then marries them. And even though it's it everyone's saying that it's it's actually very campy and somehow finds the humor and like the screenplay is very sophisticated, I feel like that might still be a stumbling block for a lot of voters. Uh, and and so unless it has like a big campaign, which I don't think it will because it's Netflix and they have other things that they're going to probably throw their weight behind. Um, so un- unless it has some sort of momentum otherwise, I feel like it's kind of fading. In the Maestro has to really flop for May, That's December true. to get a lot of attention. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, I also had Fair Play, which I know is not a movie you enjoyed. Uh, but I did, but I, and, and, but I never thought that it was Oscar worthy necessarily. <laughs> uh, like I wasn't going that far, but there, there are so many people who are like that screenplay that say what you will about the movie, but that screenplay is, is tight. So like, I don't know. That's, that's also a wild card one that if, when it comes out on Netflix, cause it hasn't come out on Netflix yet again, like Netflix, I don't think is going to ca- campaign on behalf of that movie, but I think it's one of those ones where like all quiet on the Western front where if, if suddenly there's interest in it, when it comes out, they'll be like, Oh, right. We, we actually also love this movie. Um, <laughs> go Oscars. Right. Um, which is sort of what happened with all quiet on the Western front. They didn't, they didn't plan on campaigning for that. And then it sort of had an organic sweep. Um, but yeah, so that was the other one that was on my list of like potential spoiler. Um, but I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not hopeful about any of those, to be honest. No. Yeah, they're all clamoring. I, you know, at this point, they're all clamoring for that last spot. It seems like, and of course, because this is very premature, hence the the name. Uh, but we're it, this all may change over time, but for now, yeah. And at this point, the season, based on past precedent, whoever is the emerges from fall film festival season as the front runner usually doesn't actually stay the front runner. Like, right. I think this this has happened several times now where, like, at this time of the year, people were like, yeah, the Fablemans. Winner, best picture winner, the Fablemans. And the, and then it quickly kind of dropped off after that. So, um, well, and, and but certainly in this in this category, you know, it was, well, original screenplay for sure for Tony Kushner yep. and Steven Spielberg. Like, that will be that will be perfect. We can reward them for it. Uh, but maybe we should move on to best uh, adapted screenplay, uh, which has uh i think so is how did, how did a little barbie less leave? wide open is what i would say yeah how did barbie did barbie leaving this category shake things up at all for you or was it just sort of yes because instead of having that? a of a, a fifth pick that i thought was like pretty solid right now in the position that moved up to the fourth pick or whatever moved into the top four and my fifth one was pretty open i i'm, I'm kind of doing a wild card pick here uh, but uh but i think you know it's We've been we've been saying it. We've been saying it all night. The top three uh, are all here because they're all adapted. Holy Trinity, yeah, the the Holy Trinity of uh, or only considering the plots of all these. Yeah, correct. That's true. The 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 cursed trilogy of 
uh, premature Oscar picks uh, as of September, mid-September 2023. Um, so Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things, as of now, feel like, yep, pretty pretty locked in. And uh, those are those are in a position. Uh, I had my, that fifth that moved to fourth was Zone of Interest because people have said, you know, it's just so well, like, structured and so taught in the way that it's right. doing it, an adaptation of a Martin Amos book and Martin Amos just passed away. So there's something in there. But I would uh, say even barring that, even if he were still alive, I feel like the, his, since he's a big name novelist, those usually, anytime there's like a faint, some even semi-famous literary work involved in the adaptation that is usually increases its chances. Like this category really favors the sort of like you took an amazing work of literature and somehow turned it into a good movie. Uh, we would like to give you a nomination. So, and so I think that's, that's also sort of why it gets in here. Right. You took something written by someone whose name sounds good to us, even though we have not read any of those books, but we, uh, we really appreciate that you brought it to us. Uh, and it was they're also, on, they're on college syllabi everywhere. <laughs> right. Uh, yes, uh, banned in probably like a dozen states. Uh, but we we've uh, it's also because it's written by Jonathan Glazer, who also who directed it, and the directing is supposed to be incredible. But directing is going to be uh, a tough tough fight. It's possible that this is where it's like, well, we could give we could give him a you know a, a screenplay nomination, uh, and maybe even he could you know make a run for the actual award. But uh, so I think that that's I'm pretty solid in with that at number four and then five is a lot of wild cards about of movies i haven't seen uh so i went uh, a little bit on name recognition and a little bit like wanting to at least somewhere in our conversation take a real long shot long shot uh, and i have sofia coppola for priscilla in my fifth spot that was on my short list i ultimately took it out um but yes i think again that's one of those movies where i think some people are saying it's the best since Lost in Translation or or Sofia Coppola is back. Like I'm hearing a lot of that narrative and I'm like, she left. OK, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I guess she's sort of been a little quieter recently, but like, you know, um, but I think there for every person who's saying that there's another person being like, it's fine. <laughs> so so I'm not sure how well overall this movie will, would do, but I do think if it were to get only one nomination, it would be in this category. Right. To be like Sofia Coppola, we see you over there. We still like you. Uh, and so and, and, it, and like good, good job writing a movie about Elvis that wasn't Elvis um so that might be the token the token prize for doing that i don't know the trip did you i saw the trailer for this did you see did you watch it I, yeah apparently i just missed all these trailers you just missed no. all these trailers all the, I don't, anytime something premieres at a film festival it's very likely a trailer drops so i see <laughs> this is my, i was just kind of like problem. following this um but it it uh it definitely looks like a sofia couple movie um in terms of the style and the tone and that's very very focused on the interiority of priscilla Presley and and so I th I think it it has potential it looked I was intrigued I was like I, you know I was I was originally on my why are we doing another Elvis movie soapbox but now I'm kind of like oh I get it like I get we're providing this other other perspective um, because it seems like Elvis is like not especially Elvis as a musical performer is very much not what the movie is about <laughs> it's more about the relationship and her kind of coming of age in this very strange set of circumstances where she's like 14 and, and meets Elvis and, and then they get married and she's like locked, locked up in Graceland 
for a while and like it's weird so so you know i was <laughs> i was more interested than i was before after hot off saying that may december may be too awkward for people oh, to true. watch it but this here, is comes, elvis, so... here comes priscilla what, what if elvis did that uh which he did but what if, what if we watched it in a movie <laughs> uh, yeah so and i have you know, I, I won't name it because you need to give your list but i've got a successful movie that feels like a long shot but could i think easily get oh not easily but i could have easily put it in in that fifth spot instead of priscilla uh and then it's a bunch of movies that i, I haven't seen haven't heard much about any of which could rise to uh, prominence and feel like an inevitable nomination once they become more well known so what did you have in this category? I, yeah, so I had we I had four out of the five were the same as yours. We're the, on point. The big, th- big three in zone of interest. But then my fifth spot was for a movie that really has come out of left field. I had not even heard anyone utter its name until TIFF, and that is American Fiction. Um, and that is, I can't remember who the director is now, but it's starring Jeffrey Wright. Uh, and it's about uh an african-american literature professor or english professor um whose name i thought was thelonious monk but it's not i was like wait there's a movie about thelonious monk sign me up and then it turned out i re- i went back and read reread it and it's like that's his nickname is like he's thelonious something and then monk is like his nickname so um so it's not about the mu- the jazz musician Thel- thelonious monk it's about someone else but um apparently this is just like blowing people away um and especially jeffrey wright uh performance and so which i again like this was not on my preview radar at all so then i was like oh and it's also i think it's also adapted from a novel it is the percival percival everett novel usc shout out uh former former chair of the english department at usc percival everett i know that okay uh, yeah, this is it's interesting. This is always one of those movies I was saying could emerge and become the movie that it's like, well, of course. Uh, but it's funny when you were introducing it as wasn't on my radar before. I hadn't really heard about it till the festivals kicked off. Uh, I thought you were going to say what ended up in my sixth spot, which is All of Us Strangers. Oh, yeah. But we had, we had mentioned that already. We had. But I feel like I kind of thought it was like, OK, whatever. It's, it's a movie <laughs> with Hot Priest. But at, at the festivals, people were like, no, this is great. Like this yeah. works really well. Apparently, and was, people just just bawling in the yeah, theater. Sobbed, open sobs throughout yes, the theater. So. so except for Richard Lawson, whose heart is made of stone. Well, apparently. I mean, <laughs> listen, I'm appreciative of Richard Lawson as a curmudgeonly force who seems to react like an old man, even though I think he's at least a decade younger than me. He's also but, from Massachusetts. He's got he's from Massachusetts, so he's it know. tracks. <laughs> it tracks it makes sense uh so um, you know i i think there's some spots where you know could it, it could there be like a more positive reaction to ferrari outside of a festival and michael mann gets actually i think michael mann didn't have a hand in writing it but you know could there be a re- desire to reward that we have uh, it's been i mentioned it a couple times i think we maybe we both have but the killer which is the new david fincher movie again like if that starts to really pick up some momentum could that get uh, into into this this spot. Un- I would have thought that before, but the consensus critically now seems to be people are very positive on the movie, but they're like it's more of a commercial thriller, like a mainstream th- thriller, mm. rather than an Oscar player or award like award. It's not like awards worthy necessarily because it's like very well done and everyone enjoyed seeing it, but it's not innovating in the genre enough 
or really even they were like it's a david fincher movie period <laughs> like, like, right. like very matter of factly like it's everything you would want and expect from a david fincher movie but it's not really doing anything else um which i'm like oh come on like you know his movies are good so like what's the big deal but uh but yeah so that so the ann Thompson from indiewire was the um the most recent person i heard saying like oh i'm really like it's really it's really fantastic i don't think it's it's an awards player so um that's why i had yeah i originally had that in a lot more places and sort of took it out after kind of hearing the, the reactions to it that's fair but it, again it makes me wonder if does it come out is it popular you know people like it is this the movie that netflix decides okay like we we're gonna sort of push it and get even though it is that sort it it is that kind of standard issue maybe more of a girl with the dragon tattoo than a uh, apparently you know, David Fincher says he was inspired by Haywire also a movie with Michael Fassbender mm-hmm. um, which I which I thought was good is this even that's a Steven Soderbergh movie yes um, so so yeah I think it's much more ma- mainstream entertainment as opposed to oh, like you know artsy and awardsy but never you never know you never know yeah um True. And then the speaking of mainstream entertainment, that you know, could it get momentum if no one else takes the spot across the Spider Verse? Could it get in there if it, if there is some Spider Verse momentum? Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's possible. possible. I feel like if that were because the Into the Spider Verse didn't break out of anime. No, but there was there was like some hope. I think there was a oh, little window that got campaigned, yeah, but it know. didn't happen. I'm not gonna hold my breath for for something no. like that. I feel like I feel like animation. Something being blockbuster thriller e is much a much smaller hurdle than something being animated, unfortunately. So, yeah. Yeah. should we move on to performances? We should. There's a lot going on here now. <laughs> Turns out, uh, let's start with I guess supporting actress. I have such a long list here. Um, do you want to go first? No, I, I just went first. You, you <laughs> oh, okay, that's ahead. right. That's right. All right, all right, fine, fine, fine. Uh, so Lily Gladstone, constant mainstay in this category current front runner mm-hmm. um nothing nothing i've seen or heard makes me question that at all uh emily blunt i think because like people are sort of like oppenheimer's still here oppenheimer's still still you know in the in the game He's still out here yeah uh so i think emily blunt is still in the conversation we still out here we still don't like your tone we still <laughs> Um, and then uh, from the holdovers, a standout performance that people keep talking. I mean, people keep talking about the three main characters: all uh, Paul Giamatti, um, a young man who I guess was like found at the school that they shot the movie at. Like he was not an actor previously, um, so he's like a new discovery. Um, people are really, really raving about him. But in supporting actress, people are like Devine Roy Joy Randolph. Let's do it. So. I, I have like she's pretty high up on my list. Um, she plays a a cafeteria attendant, I believe, or someone who works at the staff on the staff of this this boarding school that they're trapped in for some kind of holiday situation. Um, have you seen the trailer for this? This is the yes. whole episode. It's going to be me asking you. Have you seen trailers? Yes. Yeah, this <laughs> okay. is this is the pop quiz of trailers. But you know, yeah, this is the one that was on the film of connected to Oppenheimer. So I, oh, I saw right. it twice. Which it I looks didn't, great. I didn't. Mine didn't. My screening didn't have any trailers. So, um, but I did. I feel like I have seen it. I probably just watched it at home. Um, so yeah. So that's that. Those three, I feel pretty good about that. Like I'm still reserving the right to change them 
at any moment, but I think those are the three that I'm pretty feeling pretty good about. And then I have Penelope Cruz because people are not too high on Ferrari, but they are in love with Penelope Cruz in this movie. So it's one of those things where it's like meh to the movie, but, but Penelope Cruz, like that's the consistent thing I keep hearing. Um, and apparently premiering this movie in Venice, not a great idea because all of the Italian people hated it. Uh, <laughs> because, well, and I don't know why that would be. We're just getting a bunch of American actors to play Italian people um, with terrible accents. Um, I actually, I didn't actually tell you this off mic, um, and I meant to, but uh, one of my favorite Oscars podcasts, Mike, Mike and Oscar, they gave me a shout out because I had messaged them in response to one of their Instagram stories that was about Adam Driver at Venice. And I just said, why do we keep asking him to do Italian accents? <laughs> and they're like, we don't know. <laughs> like they were like, this is a very good question. <laughs> we don't know. Um, and so, so I think that the accent work is going to be uh, an issue with this movie. It's going to be House of Gucci Part Two, I think. Um, but I think usually in the sporting actress category in particular, it's like being in a movie that people are meh about is not a barrier to entry, where it's like you performances can get singled out and put in here so i think and and like penelope cruz she ruined my oscar pool a few years ago with parallel mothers because of the last minute i panic switched my prediction to her because i was, I, I was going to say don't sleep on the academy just loving penelope cruz yeah, and and in being like yes we want to we want to reward her. They, It does sort of feel like they've wanted to give her a second Oscar for a little while. And obviously, uh, you know, part of that, you know, there's... What there's... was her first one for? Oh, no. Sorry. Was it for Vicky Cristina? No. Volver, maybe? Was that the name of the movie? Okay. Was it a Pedro Almodovar movie? I believe it was. Was she also in Woody Allen movies, though? Am I making that up? No. Uh, she was, it was Vicky Cristina Barcelona, okay, there we go. which is a Woody Allen movie, but she was nominated for Volver and Parallel Mothers, which are right. both, uh, and I do feel movies. like and she... nine, let's not forget nine. Oh yeah. The Parallel Ralph Mothers was really good. That was the other thing that made me make this huge Oscar prediction mistake is that I watched Parallel Mothers the week before the Oscars. And I was like, she's all over this. This is amazing. So like. It was, yeah, it was not good. Um, Penelope Cruz being nominated for nine is the direct parallel to Penelope Cruz being nominated for Ferrari. Of Here's a movie, like, this could be good. It's not. But you know who is good? <laughs> and then she gets nominated. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of the big narrative is that the trend, the Academy is getting more international in its membership. And I feel like her, she's definitely riding the coattails of that. Like, like because people, you know, around the world love her. And, uh, and she's very European. So, like... Um, uh, and I've actually heard, I can't remember who it was. I heard a critic saying all the American actors are, don't have good Italian accents, but since Penelope Cruz is already <laughs> from Spain, right? Cause she's from Spain. I yes. say. Okay. Uh, she already has an accent and therefore it's more believable that she's Italian. <laughs> and I was like, that statement is really problematic. And you're making there's a lot of logic in there that's not uh, I don't know but um but I can but it sort of makes sense so um so yeah she's the standout from that movie and uh and then I have Sandra Hewler um so in best supporting actress because spoiler I have her in two places um so best supporting actress would be for Zone of Interest which I heard here not only is amazing and soul crushing 
etc but that she is amazing in it um so i think i think it's definitely possible and would be would be so the oscars for one actress who's no one in america has heard of to suddenly be nominated in two different acting categories i almost predicted a a a one nomination in supporting one nomination in lead for someone totally different but we'll we'll get to that we'll we'll get there so i like it but i like the call yeah i think it's gonna happen it's just a matter of who and where and like yeah 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 i have a feeling it's Um, always in there was that yeah. was that the, that was the five? We have, right? That was the five. Do we have any overlap? We do. Well, we do. It's the it's the top two. Okay. Um, yeah. Lily Gladstone and uh, is it Devine Joy Randolph? Is that the pronunciation? I believe so. Okay, it's my fault for not looking that up. Uh, in the holdovers, and you know, Lily Gladstone is like is that the Laura Dern like just from day one all the way through the award is is going to get the award? It, is that is eventually going to fall? It feels like the when people have been a little bit like me, like let's calm down on killers of the flower moon, either maybe it won't be good or maybe everyone will be over it by the time it gets to the actual voting and the awards that if that's true, then people might feel comfortable coalescing around, but at least we'll give Lily Gladstone an Oscar and that movie will get the one Oscar and everyone will be okay with that. It'll be an Academy award winning movie. We can walk away or it is this like powerhouse. It's one of the leads. It's, it's in a bunch of got a bunch of nominations really vying for, maybe it still doesn't win that many others, but it's seems to be in the running. Then it's what let's get her on board. Like, let's just keep doing it. So she seems to be in a pretty good position uh, to to go forward and, and maybe again carry it all the way. I, you know, had Emily Blunt in. I'm I, I was you're know, trying to mix it up a little bit, so I was maybe overthinking this. That like by the time we get there with all the other performances that come out, maybe people will be like, you know what, Emily Blunt was great in that one scene and she did good in the other parts, but it's just not enough. It's not that much mm. in the movie, so that she ends up sort of be fading a little bit especially when like support gets to coalesce around other other Oppenheimer narratives uh will will be out there. So maybe But I'm isn't wrong. it going to be really bad if Oppenheimer gets a ton of nominations including a lot of acting ones? Cuz I think we're going to talk about actor in a minute and supporting actor. You know what I mean like and then she doesn't. Yes. I feel like that's going to be a bad look. <laughs> It would be from the Academy. Right. The Oscars. Would that ever happen? I know. know. But I mean, but also like, so here's what I'll say is I, I've slotted in from the, from the the same weekend. Uh, I put America Ferrera in being like, that will be the sort of blockbuster. That'll be the Barbie, you know, sort of a Barbie coattails in the way that maybe Emily Blunt could be. uh, Is a better Oscar reel because she has, she has a speech monologue. Yeah. And you know, uh, is, is great. Is really good in it, and people I think are really excited about it. Um, and then I went with a couple of veterans in movies that, as we've uh, already, well, one of them we've already discussed, the other one we haven't discussed, which is a, a bad sign. Um, and it's Julianne Moore in May December and Jodie Foster in Nyad. Yeah, uh, I kind of think that, in, like, in thinking of what's the Netflix strategy going to be, it's going to be maestro is the big push and then we're just going to push the acting in naiad and try to get mm. get uh, just, i get spoilers for future nominated for future categories that like we're going to push these people these these two performances um and that 
the momentum of it of like it's like oh yeah and where's Jodie Foster been like we haven't nominated her in a long time so this could be a chance to sort of bring her back I don't know if there's a lot of nominated for the Mauritanian or was that a Golden Globe only Mm, that's remember? a great what what a great question that I definitely know the answer <laughs> Sorry, to. Sorry, yeah, I didn't expect you to know the answer to that off the top of your head. Uh, no, she has not been nominated <laughs> since she was nominated for Nell, Best Actress oh. for Nell. And she was, of course, nominated Best Supporting Actress for Taxi Driver. And in between, she won Best Actress twice for The Accused and Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs, yeah, okay. So, uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. Are people really going to be like, we want Jodie Foster to get a third Right. Uh, Academy Here, Award. Okay. But they might be like, we want to nominate her. If, like, the right, movie has not like been... Her. Yeah, the movie has not been received particularly well, but they people have really said the... Really like the acting. And said the performances between the two main women in it are really strong. So, yeah. I went with that. I had... Um, uh, well, I'm trying, I feel there's someone that I wasn't... That you had that wasn't on my list. I had Penelope Cruz and I had Emily Blunt. Who was your fifth person? Sandra Hewler. Sandra Hewler, right. I thought she's not going to get nominated. She's got to be pushed just in actress. Yeah, no, so no, I didn't that, have That was there. definitely my, my big swing. Um, um, and then there's Taraji B. Henson and Danielle Brooks. Danielle Brooks are both uh, for The Color Purple. Uh, and they had a lot of buzz that you know has sort of faded. I don't know if it's faded just because the movie hasn't been seen yet. And so it's not being talked about as much. But if the movie is connects and people really like it, they have we, there's a big entrance know, for them to come do we in. even know where that movie's premiering that's the thing is like i haven't heard anyone no. talking about that it movie before. in napoleon there's like well i don't know what's happening like are they just coming out they have release dates and it's like maybe that's it maybe that's all that's gonna happen um yeah i just kind of took all color purple noms out of my list because i'm like i don't i don't think there's anything i think it's gonna be the the thing that people are like oh wait shouldn't we have nominated that movie <laughs> Yeah. Or like people just not, no one's going to have seen it. This is what happened with West Side Story. West Side Story still got some nominations, including Best Picture, if I remember. Um, oh, yeah. Right? There was a little window when people were like, actually, maybe West Side Story is going to win. Right. But it also was like, oh, no one went to go see this movie and now no one knows about it. Right. There was a period where people were like, oh, I guess this is just out. But uh, so, yeah, I feel like it's a very similar thing can happen to The Color Purple. Um, I had Jodie Foster on my short list, but I originally didn't put her in because my thinking is the movie itself doesn't see people don't seem to be that into it. They are. I agree. They are into the acting performances. And I've actually heard a couple people say that they like Jodie Foster better than they like Annette Benning. but Annette Benning is overdue for an Oscar. So like, right. they, so my thing is like, they, I don't think the movie is strong enough to put them both in. Uh, and there's like also controversy around the the real life sw- figure like the swimmer that the movie's about i think right only uh, because I'm- she lied only because maybe she <laughs> lied about all the swimming maybe <laughs> so so that i feel like people are kind of dismissing that as a factor but i feel like that could very easily become a factor um and uh yeah so i just think there's only room for one of them probably to get like the low nomination that may be i wonder if if the strike does continue to the point where annette benning and jody foster are not able to campaign for it will that make it better or worse because you won't have annette benning trying to defend the person that she's representing and then sure. trying to like having to be like i fully support everything right. but she also can't do like the glenn close type tour of right like, hey, and it also, i need an oscar it also makes you wonder will, will they spend more time looking at the real person because they can't 
talk to Annette Benning. So oh, they'll true. have more time. To but I do uncover. feel like publicists probably would know enough not to put her in front of press. You would think. If there's already a sniff of controversy. But I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like this move, this movie is tainted. Yeah. My, my, my only <laughs> counter argument. Yes. My only counter argument is I, I was sort of thinking about the whale where it was like, people didn't like this movie, but you know what? They really like the acting in it. So, oh, and they like the people in it who are doing the acting. Point. So that was my thinking, but both, you know, Julianne Moore and Jodie Foster were also sort of the like, you know what? We, we like these people. We've given them awards before. Why not again? Um, but I, I think it's somewhat dependent on actually seeing the movies and taking them in and having people watch them, which is anathema to everything we're doing tonight. But. <laughs> um, Ro- Rosamund Pike was also on my short list of runner-ups because while people were kind of polarized about Saltburn itself, consistently people were saying Rosamund Pike is just, she's just having a great time. This is, she's at her best, best performance since, since Gone Girl. Um, so that's, that's a possibility. Um, and she did surprise, I remember one year with, I think this was Golden Globes, but not Oscars with, um, what's the, the old people, old people hustling movie that she was in that was, I think that was a Netflix movie. Do you remember this? Uh, she was like conning elderly people. Yes. Oh, I forget the name of it, but it's like, I'm here for you or something like that. Or I care about you. That sounds closer. Uh, yeah. (laughs) No, no, maybe. This is great. This is great podcasting. Um, yeah, I care a I, lot. I think called, she, so. She she has been known to come out of nowhere. That's all I'm saying. Yes, it's called it's I care. Mo- a lot. Movies that people don't remember watching. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. All right. We ready for supporting actor? I think so. Okay. If if we could ever be. So, my theme for this is actors that finally got out of the MCU. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> because I have Robert Downey Jr. And I think, you know, until something bad happens with Oppenheimer, knock on wood, that doesn't, uh, you know, until until that campaign falls apart somehow, Robert Downey Jr. is just like steamrolling this, I think. Because um, even even if you were not, you didn't get the movie. Uh, I don't I don't know those people. But the, even if you were like, huh, Oppenheimer? I didn't get it. Or it was boring. I fell asleep after an hour. Um, I have talked to those people. Uh <laughs> And I continue not to understand them. Anyway, the 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 You've cut um, them out of your life. They're no longer welcome. <laughs> no, I no, I understand. I understand. It's it's it's, it's a certain some, very certain particular type of movie. Anyway, some people have bad taste. It's fun. That's, <laughs> um. So yeah, Robert Downey Jr. I think this is his category still to lose right now. Um, but Mark Ruffalo be- because Poor Things has sort of emerged as above all a bunch of other films that have premiered at these fall festivals and people are just saying that he his performance is just sparkling and he's hilarious and that he's like actually a major component of the movie and really is part of what makes it work um and so i think if the if people are good with the movie and it gets a bunch of nominations he's making it in here um and even maybe even if not if the movie falls away and it doesn't hit in other categories other than maybe one other one that we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, you know, like I, I think 
it could be it could easily be a singled out performance to be like well we we're not sure about that movie the movie but like we like him so so i have him in here and then i also have robert downey uh, robert de niro um uh this is the it could be the battle of the roberts i don't know that's also possible um, bobby versus bobby bobby <laughs> Uh, for Killers of the Flower Moon, um, you know, we've talked about him in this movie before, so I feel like there's not a whole lot of explanation that's necessary there. And then I had Ryan Gosling, who I still think people are people who are like, I love Barbie, are going to gravitate towards his performance, and and we want him, we just want him at the Oscars, right? Assuming actors are going to the Oscars, that's a whole other thing. But like, or there that there is an Oscar. <laughs> whole a whole a whole other thing um so so those ones they i feel pretty good about those four right now um and then so my fifth spot i wasn't sure about but i ended up with willem dafoe for poor things and I'm, yeah i'm betting big on poor things uh with my nominations right now um which again could fall apart any day now but i think this category has especially recently has a history of double double nominations for one movie if that movie is doing really well. And so if poor things, originally I had Jesse Plemons in here. Cause I was like, Oh, maybe killers of the flower moon is like, the, it's like everybody gets nominated. Um, but I feel like his performance is probably going to be a little bit more like Matt Damon and Oppenheimer where people like appreciate him and they're, they're happy to see him, but they're not going to give him any awards. <laughs> um, because he's sort of like, like based on the trailers, he seems like kind of the comic relief in some ways or like that. He's, you know, he's, he's, He's not his just the nature of his role is not going to get him like an Oscar moment or something like that. Right. Um, so so I went with Willem Dafoe because like poor things, people seem to really stock stock is way up on poor things. People love Willem Dafoe. He's probably I don't remember off the top of my head, but, but he's probably been nominated, at least nominated before, if not one. Yeah, but overdue, potentially in a, a similar not quite a net betting levels, but mm-hmm. he's been nominated a handful of times. And everyone's always like, why isn't he winning? Right. So this could be it. I don't know um well jen five for five we are lined up exactly this is the first time uh we did it but i i followed the exact same uh trajectory of feeling real good about the first four and then switching in and out uh i mean we're we're just spoiling future categories left and right but i had coleman domingo in for the color purple uh thinking like he's gonna be getting a lot of buzz there but then like we There's were saying, another- color purple, not a lot of talk about it right now. So it, I, I, I took him away, and there's a lot of poor things talk, Willem Dafoe talk. So uh, the other person I strongly considered was Dominic Sessa from The Holdovers, the sort of young newcomer. I think who he's had, too no, new. Yeah. He's not, a, he's not a cute little kid like the kid from Minari. Right. Right? Like he's too old to do that, to get that kind of a nomination. Um, yeah, that has to be people love the holdovers. That is the tail nomination of yeah, the, sure. the the 10th, 11th, 12th nomination for the movie is him getting support. Which I feel like people are sort of divided about Alexander Payne. Well, so, yeah, it's it's tough. Not and not even just it has him as a person, but just his his work, you know what I mean? True. So um so I don't I don't I don't I think that's less likely than some of these other scenarios. Agreed. Um, um, yeah. And then, you know, we still have m- m- much of the rest of the cast of Oppenheimer uh, who are men uh, and are supporting. And, I think and they're all canceling job. each other out. That's but I think, story. yeah, I think you know, Matt Damon <laughs> would be the potential, like you're saying, of like, could he push his way up? Uh, uh, but I think, yeah, it's like everyone really focusing quickly on Robert Downey Jr. So it makes sense that 
uh, he will he will get the focus. He'll get the momentum. Right. I have mentioned before that Jeremy Allen White may get an Emmys bump, depending on the timing of when the Emmys and the Oscars are, which is which is Up in unusual the because of the strike. Right, yes. the Emmys got moved to January, so like there's. There's a the scenario, and I'm not taking credit for this. Awards Watch came up with this idea, but there's a scenario in which Iron Claw is really good. Um, then he gets, and, and then he wins an Emmy for the Bear right before nominations close. That somehow that gets him gets him the sort of um, Dallas Buyers Club True Detective bump. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. All right, that was actually less exciting than I thought it would be. Because I know. Well, I mean, we're we just... agreed too. I know we're just really in line with each other, and I, I will just note in the saying, yes, there are times when supporting categories frequently, at least in the last few years, have had multiple nominations from the same movie. The last big Yorgos Lanthimos Oscar player, the favorite, had a lead actress, lead actress nomination, and then two nominations in best supporting actress. So That's that right. you know could be a similar uh, a similar situation here. Spoiler for uh, an upcoming category. Sure. <laughs> okay. So best actress. Is it your turn? Uh, sure. It could be my turn. And since I was just spoiling it, Emma Stone for Poor Things uh, is has been discussed as even the people who didn't like the movie or not. I guess no one has said they don't like the movie, but there are people who say this movie is too much for the Academy. This will not be successful uh, in, in the gamesmanship of it all. Uh, but that... Emma Stone's performance is absolutely undeniable and she's transcendent and it's so good that she 100% deserves a second award and will march across the, the the field of battle that is the gauntlet of movie awards and be victorious, uh, which sounds great, but that also was what people said about Kate Blanchett last year and it got derailed and it didn't happen. But, uh, but yeah, Emma Stone seems like is a lock for... Uh, a nomination. Uh, and then uh, this, I had Sandra Hewler only here for Anatomy of a Fall. Everyone says that she's absolutely incredible. And again, because I didn't really spend too much time considering her for Zone of Interest, I kind of think that the bump from Zone of Interest will be like, well, we got to award her this year. That will give her even more momentum. So uh, I kind of feel like she's easy to slot in in second place. And then I, I guess, I mean, I guess we're, I know we're not doing it in places, but I'm, I'm just thinking through it right now. Uh, Annette Benning for Nyad, as sort of alluded to when I was discussing Jodie Foster, she is overdue. People have been wanting her to have an Oscar. She's not quite at the Glenn Close level, but I feel like if Glenn Close had won uh, for the wife she be years ago, line? yeah, Annette Benning would become the new person where it's just like, what is happening with Annette Benning? <laughs> so I think that like she's going to get nominated. It has the problem of the movie not being good, but again, people didn't like the whale, and the lead ended up being sure. the sort of front runner that was around the whole time and uh, got over got over the hump at the end. I think it's going to be a big question whether or not she can campaign um, because this is a Netflix movie. It, Netflix is absolutely the last distribution studio that will get any sort of an exemption. A twenty four neon um, ind- individual productions have been able to get. Uh, exemptions to have actors uh, and and writers campaign and and do promotion. No, the, the guilds will not do that with Netflix. Netflix is like the problem. If anyone is the one is the is the central problem. So if Annette Benning is not able to campaign, she's certainly not going to win, and potentially wouldn't get nominated. Right, she, like, it would re, it would need a Glenn Close type effort. 
I think which, so. Which, when Glenn Close has done that, hasn't even worked. So, <laughs> or maybe a Jamie Lee Curtis effort where it's is out there and is oh, talking sure, yeah. things up and all that. Right. Um, so, uh, I do think the, the can I sidebar about the strike for a second? Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah. So, so I was listening to IndieWire had a live podcast uh, at TIFF. And they were interviewing. I, I feel bad. I'm not because I didn't. I didn't plan to talk about this, so I, I didn't write down his name. But um, one of the main lawyers, who's a negotiator for SAG-AFTRA, and he he his whole thing was let me clarify the deal with these interim agreements. And he said they're not waivers. They're not exemptions. He's like, I know that's the kind of the language that the press has been using, but we want to emphasize that these are studios. And distributors that like companies that have agreed to our terms right and that it's like so they are they are cleared they're not being struck because they have agreed to these terms and like you know a part of his point i think was to sort of show that like if they can if they can agree to these terms and they think that they're reasonable why can't bigger companies like netflix or you know disney or amazon you know all those companies why can't why are they having so much such a hard time and so um you know the 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 festival covered coverage so far has been really interesting because there are so few actors who have these interim agreements but like weirdly ferrari is one of them um so so like uh there there was a bunch of tiktok videos that kept popping up in my feed of adam driver maybe this is sharing too much about me but like <laughs> adam driver adam driver stepping out of a water taxi in venice it's not you jen it's just the algorithm it's just <laughs> Right. I don't know. I don't know why it would be giving me those. Um, but, uh, so, so, and like, I feel like I saw so many because they're, he's like one of the only main, like, he, main, like, you know, A-list actors who was able to go and do press and stuff like that. And, you know, and, and they were very good. Like he and I think Jessica Chastain also, they were sort of using the fact that they could go to and promote their movies as a way to sort of like talk about the strike and, and, and all kinds of stuff. So that was great. Um, but I would say I would recommend checking it out because his, it, it's sort of like direct from SAG-AFTRA's mouth in terms of like how they're approaching the strike and their reasoning and all kinds of stuff. And I thought it was a really good interview. Nice. Uh, what I'll say is if we're here on strike corner, if we're here on the picket line, uh, then I would say that the other sort of news bit that st stood out to me recently was the state of California passed a bill that, workers who are on strike, and this is anyone on strike, not just Hollywood uh, guilds and unions, uh, would be able to collect unemployment, uh, which has not yet been signed by the governor. I mean, you know, there's some pressure for him to not do this because people who run companies don't want to encourage people to go on strike, I guess. Uh, but there's, uh, you know, if that, assuming that passes or if it's vetoed, the veto is over. Uh, overridden. Uh, that will go into effect in January, which is a little ways away, but does sort of mean that if the, uh, the maybe accidentally stated intention of some of the producers was, we'll grind them to dust and have them have to like move out of their homes and we'll, we'll basically wait them out. Like we are able to wait uh, until they have absolutely nothing left that, you know, if they can get to January, they would be able to get on unemployment, which sure, you know, maybe that's not great in terms of uh, a, a constant uh, income stream, but would be, uh, would be a good, a good sort of boost for them. So I think that shifted things and did, it, there was then an announcement like a day later of they're going back to the table. So Maybe, maybe that will be uh, a positive thing. And I will you know, make it clear here uh, an hour and a half into uh, or an hour and 20 minutes into the recording uh, that, you know, 
when I, I we say things like, oh, it might be bad for Annette Benning if there's still a strike and she can't campaign. Um, not as bad as people not getting paid for the work they're doing. Doesn't mean they shouldn't be on strike. Uh, you know, this is all frivolous, whatever, in the grand scheme of the the labor negotiations and labor rights that are being fought for. So, uh, you know, that's not an endorsement of ending the strike or or avoiding it uh, just for the purposes of promoting uh, in, a, in an Oscar campaign. So just to be clear about that for no, for the no. listeners who probably already know that we think that way because we say it a lot. But Yeah, we do. We do. That's why I was originally, for time's sake, I was like, let's skip movie news. There's not a ton of strike news anyway. Sure. Or like there's no major updates. And, <laughs> and we came back to it anyway. That's fine. We did. We, it's um, hard to get away. Um, no, just, just wait till we spend uh, 10 minutes talking about uh, the bear. So uh, best actress, Emma Stone. Uh, poor thing. Sandra uh, Hewler for Anatomy of a Fall. Annette Benning for Nyad. Uh, I think Margot Robbie is going to carry through and make it happen for Barbie. Oh. Uh, I think people are really underestimating uh, how uh, important she is in uh, well, in no, that no. movie. What is that? That's not well. I prematurely said I'm one of those people because I thought you meant who's like underestimating her ability to get in here. Um, but oh, I, oh, oh, no, no. I, I, I mean, I, I didn't really mean... think she deserves to be in here. Yes, clear. Um, I, I yeah, I mean, it's it's maybe it's a. Uh, a reach to say that she can go in here, but I think that there's going to be still Barbie momentum. And I think especially if maybe I am banking on for this whole category, banking on the fact that by the time it gets to voting, they, people are able to go out and talk about it. Margot Robbie works rooms really well and True. knows how to get people interested and what can really remind people after not really being able to promote the movie you know, she was. They were out there until right before it came out, but not during the run. I think it could happen. So uh, I've got Margot Robbie in here, and I'm I'm holding she's firm. Also got, she's got the producer narrative as well, right? Yes, because this move, this movie, she pitched this movie to Warner Brothers, told them that it would make a billion dollars. It did. Right. I think Have to get Greta Gerwig to do it. Like she put all the creatives that people that the Oscars would like about this together, and used her clout to make it happen. So no, it's true. Um, and I'm going to hold firm. They could pull this uh, nomination from my cold dead hands, uh, Greta, Lee Greta Lee for past lives. So, uh, despite all the people that are on the rest of this list uh, who maybe actually have more of a chance at this point of getting in, or at least some of them do, uh, I still have her on there because I want that nomination to happen. And I think that even if that movie sort of is just percolating underground, like you, I agree with what you said earlier that. Uh, past lives in uh, original screenplay is like where it would likely be um, rewarded with a nomination, maybe even a win um, that if it's like, what if there's like a little more, it would be, well, let's get the Greta Lee in yep. for the actress. And yep. uh, you know, I'll, you know, I, I will also just say that if they did go with, and this is partially my thinking, but also thinking about the Academy, the other four are, are white women. It's like, what if we had a, a person who wasn't a white woman who was nominated? Um, and there are plenty of other women of color who are, are in the running as well. Um, but uh, you know, I think there's, I think there is something to, you know, there's, there's, there's a push for diversity, uh, which is good, and that might help Greta Lee. Yeah, she's she's my number five, but I'm very very nervous. Um, I feel like she's she's on the precipice of getting booted out of this category um Sorry. and but i didn't have 
um, Margot Robbie instead. Otherwise, my my picks are the same. But I had Carrie Mulligan from Maestro um, because I feel like the predominant narrative of that movie. And I agree, like it it kind of very quietly premiered at Venice. But then more people, because I think it also went to, I want to say it also, it went to one of the other ones that was in, in North America. Um, uh, and more people, more, more people are seeing Maestro. I think people were surprised by how much the movie focused on her character. So that's number one. So she's like, she's like a real, like a genuine lead, not like a category fraud type lead. And that her performance is just blow like like the standout thing like even if you're kind of mediocre on the movie that she's amazing so i feel like and she has a good history with good track record with the oscars she got nominated for promising a woman i believe um a lot of people wanted her to win <laughs> she didn't um wait who i don't even remember who won that year it um, was um oh my god from nomadland francis mcdormand Oh, right, right, right. Okay, yeah. that was uh, Which was good. great. And she was really good in that, but it was also sort of like, are we sure? Frances McDormand. She has three Oscars. Right? Right. And then she got a fourth for, for the picture for Nomadland because she was producer. But um, So yeah, so she's she's my number four on here and then Greta Lee. But uh, I, I also have Vanessa Kirby, question mark, because again, like oh Napoleon. Please. It's like the Bermuda Triangle of Oscar predictions. Like I have no <laughs> idea what's going on with this movie. Um, but my default right now is that people are generally have cooled on ridley scott <laughs> which is so sad um but that they uh that that this is going to be sort of that napoleon will sort of be like the last duel where like it will come and go and people were like oh ridley scott still making movies uh <laughs> and that'll be really and then they'll go watch it later when it comes on tv and be like oh wait this was this was right. a masterpiece because we haven't even wonderful. talked about oh i guess oh and maybe we're about to talk about it but yeah, like, but but Napoleon. Even if people don't see that movie or something, I feel like Joaquin Phoenix and Vanessa Kirby. And that's a good transition to our next category. Um, and Vanessa yeah. Kirby, random, got a kind of arbitrary nomination for a Netflix movie she was in. Yes, um, she did. I don't remember what it was. I don't remember but, what the name was. But she apparently was very good in that movie, and she is very good when. Right, uh, but no, and things. it was an example. Like no one was, no one cared about the movie. But they recognized that she was good in it. So, yeah, it's possible. So you, that was a good transition. I do just want to throw out a couple. Of, I had Carrie Mulligan in my You're going to undo the transition? I am. I am. Just because I want to also just point out Natalie Portman, May, December, which right. we, all the problems in May, December. But I did say that I thought Julianne Moore would break through an actress, a supporting actress. Does that mean that then Natalie, Natalie Portman, Portman might get a little bit possible. more possibility in there? Greta Lee, watch your back. Um, and then... You know, again, uh, the another sort of Bermuda Triangle, um, Fantasia, Barino for the color purple. It's like, what if that's really good and people like it? Or just what if she is a, is a powerhouse performance and the rest of the movie fades away, but that's the undeniable. That could be, instead of Vanessa Kirby and Napoleon, it could be Fantasia Barino in the color purple. A lot of There's also a... Um, uh, Ava uh, DuVernay movie that apparently came out like like it it was on it was a bunch of like it was a creepy it's called Origin and it was creeping yes. in a bunch of like lists. apparently getting a lot of attention yeah and but it came out and I like it doesn't have a good sort of like I know the ratings aggregators are not a good system but it's like in like fifty percent or so like you know two point five out of five the thing I heard from critics and granted this is secondhand I haven't seen the movie. So I can't really say for sure, but the the consensus sort of seems to be 
that it's very good, but it is very much like an intellectual exercise more than it is maybe a narrative movie. And that people, so that might be a reason it's not really catching on because people, it's like, it's, it's not accessible enough for a lot of people. Um, but that people are saying that Anjana Ellis is, is really good. So that's a possibility. Um, again, I guess the theme of today is like your movie, your movie can just be okay. <laughs> but, but if you're right. good, your performance is good in it, you can get an Oscar nomination. Um, Cause that's really, the issue is, I mean, it's interesting because it's, we're, we're being premature here about the Oscar picks, but we've gotten enough information about enough performances that when a movie has been officially released and it's in that kind of like, yeah, it's good. They're pretty good. I don't know. People don't really connect with it. There's already movies that people have connected with that have good performances. And sure. there's movies that people are talking of that are incredible performances whether you connect with it or not. So mm. it's already sort of like, uh, is there right. going to be enough momentum? Up. Like it could, could a, um, uh, Ingenue Ellis, you know, pass Greta Lee when people loved past lives and they love Greta Lee's performance, you know, when it's a movie of like, well, the, yeah, we really like this performance and the movie is kind of weird. And I don't know if I connect with it like that's yeah. But wanted to put it out there. I have completely destroyed the, your, the transition, uh, the it's Napoleon fine. based transition Best actor. From Vanessa Kirby to best actor. We don't actor. need a trans. We don't need no stinking transition. <laughs> best actor. Um, so Killian Murphy is still at the top of my list. I don't. I don't know. Change my mind. That's the, that's my thing on Oppenheimer right now. Is like t- try to change my mind, um, and not not in the like meme way, but like just <laughs> like I didn't realize I was referencing that. Um, uh, not like that, but like. <laughs> um, but though maybe I seem like that about this movie to other people. Um, uh, I have Leonardo DiCaprio. I feel like people. I I actually just saw a pull quote the other day with like an ad on on social media where it was like Leonardo DiCaprio has never been better or like Leonardo DiCaprio's career defining performance, like some some sort of like superlative, crazy statement. So I feel like it's he's pretty safe in here. Um, Coleman Domingo for a movie called Rustin. So for those of you who don't know, this is another again Netflix got a lot of movies. They're not going to get any Oscars. I feel like that this is the mistake. This is the mistake we're missing. We're making right now is that we have too many Netflix nominations. Um, anyway, so Coleman Domingo starring in a, in a Netflix film called Rustin. It's a biopic. Um, and so this was the other reason I kind of cooled on Nyad because I was like, there's not room for both of these movies to get not even just acting nominations, but he's playing a civil rights activist uh, who's openly gay and the narr- it's like the movie definitely uh, the con- the critics are sort of saying it is sort of a pretty conventionally shot biopic like the story the the, the narrative is not particularly uh, unusual or, or innovative or anything like that it's pretty standard biopic stuff but the fact that it's telling a story a story about this um, this person who was a major historical player but has kind of been lost to history right that like he's that so the movie itself sort of serves as like a historical counter narrative to other figures that have become more famous and so uh, and that he was really important but that no one remembers him basically um and so that's called rustin uh and people just love him in the movie they say has his like he's very magnetic charismatic completely sub like disappears into this role and becomes this other person um so so i think if there's only if there's room for to me there's like room for one biopic like that and 
and I would rather it be this than Nyad. Um, <laughs> it's kind of the conclusion I came to. Um, and then I apologize, Giamatti for the holdovers. I feel like even if people are not that into the holdovers, they are into the idea of Paul Giamatti or they are into the idea of Paul Giamatti, Giamatti reuniting with Alexander Payne because from because it's the first movie they've done since Sideways, which everybody loves. So like a lot of that, you know, they might be there might be a lot of transitive property of like of people like that sideways. And now they just want to give Paul Giamatti <laughs> Oscar nomination. Um, All right, so, we're four for four. Is it going to happen again? Are we going to do ooh. it? Are we going to do it again? I, I may change during this episode. I don't, I don't so I might've ruined it. I don't think we will because based on, based on what your other nominations are, I'm not sure, but I have Bradley Cooper in the last spot. Okay. Um, for don't. Maestro. The nose, don't, it, the nose doesn't play, I guess. <laughs> Here's what I'll say. When you said there's only space in this for for one movie that's oh, just like true. a standard traditional biopic, I really thought you were going to be like, that's why I didn't pick Bradley Cooper for Maestro. Because that's been the Maestro thing is this is just a standard biopic that is done really well when it works really well. And then it's kind of boring for a little while and it maybe goes on too long. But that like it's very Oscar Beatty and, you know, but here, whatever. Okay, here's, here's but Oscar Bait works too. So Maestro my... could could do could do well. That's true. I, here, So here's my Bradley Cooper narrative i think he's not getting into director but i think people will appreciate his directorial vision in this movie because i've already heard that from a bunch of critics that like his point of view and that he seems to be maturing as a director as an artist right it's like very clearly his movie um and so i feel like a lot of that will get displaced here like the directors will be like you know we're not gonna let you into our club um so then people academy voters are going to be like but he directed this movie he's like the whole artistic you know vision behind it let's give him an, an acting no- a nomination that's which is basically happen. what happened with the star is born yes it's gonna be the same thing all over again uh, except, uh, with, uh, yeah. except without the the strangely intimate lady gaga performance oh my god which was but i mean it was really good i mean and then shockingly really i don't bradley mean cooper that in a bad way i just mean yes. that in a, it was very memorable yes shockingly didn't bradley cooper and his wife or girlfriend immediately split up afterwards does that this is witty jasmine for Are you making uh, that up? for relationship okay. gossip corner okay someone either lady gaga's or bradley cooper's relationship ended within like three weeks of that ceremony happening uh so again we need we need, We're not uh, a tabloid podcast. We need, we need Gossip Corner. This with is not Jasmine. TMZ. I'm okay. just kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. Um, um, that's fine. I, I will just say, as someone who... Uh, I'm really liking the word faded um, tonight, but as someone who faded uh, Maestro a lot based on those sort of initial pretty mixed reactions and the Netflix component of it, like that's it. Like I kind of... I thought Nyad will pick up where Maestro kind, kind mm-hmm. of drops the ball. Sure. Uh, that's, where, that's where I was with it. I think whatever so uh but i think to 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 defend what you are saying we it's easy to kind of forget bradley cooper is in that amy adams category of like only been like doing this for like a decade or so i mean amy adams maybe got a little bit longer but like he's had nine nominations and hasn't won anything which is partly because he got a bunch of nominations for star is born he has a production company that did joker and nightmare alley and so we got nominations there but he's like He's got he's got a he's due narrative for someone that mm. we don't think of as being all that old and right. but he also did you know was a jobber for a long time before he broke through in in the early 2010s so you know I think I think there's definitely the the, the Bradley Cooper reward narrative that 
at least gets him to the nomination, even though I did not pick him for uh, for this yeah, last thing. I, he's on obviously on the backup list. Uh, I'm just going to tell you who's not there. Uh, Andrew Scott, all, all of us strangers, is supposed to be incredible. Uh, Hot Priest slash Moriarty uh, did apparently an amazing job uh, in this movie. People are saying he's incredible. Never count out Anthony Hopkins, who's creeping with Freud's last session. And that's a Sony Pictures classic movie. It's true. So it's true. it might be the the father all over again. Yeah, he can he can make his way in there. And it, I don't know. I don't I don't even know if there is actual chatter about it or if people are just thinking he's probably very good. I have heard not that many people critics I follow have seen it, but the ones who have say that he the movie is pretty forgettable, but that he's a very good in it. And it's sort of mm. like a it's like a crowd pleasing tearjerker kind of movie. Interesting. So that feels it, like he could have. Yeah, he could have gotten it, but if he hadn't recently won a second Oscar at the expense of a recently deceased, very very famous person. Who yeah, was I was gonna say people might still runner. be salty about that. So. I think so. I think so. Like it's sort of like okay, Anthony, you you got it. Like you got yours. It's fine. Um, I had I had and then switched out at the last second based on the conversation. Jenna sold me on the salt burn. Uh, negativity. So I had uh, uh, Barry Kagan as uh, as he's he's the up and coming star. He's the one that people are really into. Any other year, he would have won last year. I think for Banshees. I think that you know if he didn't have Kehi Kwong uh, up uh, the Impossible Force, uh, that's the Lily Gladstone parallel. Actually, I think that's the one where people are like, oh. He's just been there. He's he's been here the whole right. time, just Not sitting. Not going anywhere. Yeah. yeah, he's he's on the corner. Uh, his name is his name. He'll just be there the whole time. But uh, you know, so you know, would he get rewarded for this movie? And I heard people say he's really great in it. But like you said, I don't know. So I I, I switched last minute to Jeffrey Wright in the mysterious wow. American fiction that I don't really know anything about besides the fact that the the hype has been strong for the last week or two that people are saying it's incredible and that he's incredible. Uh, it, this is a makeup nomination for the French dispatch. Of course, as we all know uh, the, uh, that that's a nomination he should have had before. And, you know, has, has he ever been nominated? Is, I don't think so. I don't think so either. And he's great. And why, why wouldn't we want he's him? He's done a lot of TV, I think is maybe why he has not got, you that's know what I mean? Like I think true. he, he w- only recently started having bigger roles in movies. Um, I could be wrong about that, but that's my, that's my not based on any facts. <laughs> uh, he did okay. win an Emmy for his role in angels in America, the miniseries, okay. Okay. but that's, that's an Emmy. Yeah. Uh, and he won it for the, the play as well. Uh, I, I think playing the same role, but, but any event, yes, uh, he's, he's overdue. He's overdue. I just wrote down PT says Jeffrey, Wright, And I don't think that's wrong. So, <laughs> Bam. Uh, so yeah, but, I, mean, I think I just I changed American. I swapped out something earlier for American fiction, right? The screen, probably the screenplay, right? Yeah. Uh, and I probably just didn't make it that far in my, in this list. Yeah. <laughs> to update it. <laughs> no, that's that's fair. Uh, shout out to Tao U for past lives who doesn't have any any momentum, but I would. I I even he had might show John, up on mine when I had it's, John McGrow and supporting and had to take him out because I'm yeah. like I think past lives is just dropping off. I don't yeah. like it, but it's it's a thing. It's a thing. Uh, yeah, but I mean, the, the, uh, all yeah, all accounts are that Rustin is only okay, but Coleman Domingo is supposed to be so good in it that it sort of feels like 
I don't want to make this a, well, it's about a black historical figure in America, but I feel like the, the lead actress nomination for Harriet was sort of a similar, like, we don't know how much we cared about this movie, but you know what? Like this, like Harriet did a great job. So we're going to give that nomination. And I think Coleman Domingo might be in a similar, like without campaigning, without Netflix having to support it too much, it'll be on everyone's television because they have Netflix. They can check it out and they can see like, yes, he's doing a really good job. Um, and then Murphy, DiCaprio, and Giamatti seem pretty locked in at this point. So yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm with you on that. How about best director? Oh, this was hard. Okay, so here's my here's my like meta context about this. The recent trend is there's always one rando European director. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean rando is in like they don't deserve to be there or like, but it's like the one that people are like, oh, really? Okay. And the question is, is Jonathan Glazier random enough to be the no. random European director or do we need another one? He's the, this is, this is the, you've cut to the quick. Uh, this is, this is the crisis I'm having because Jonathan Glazer, like, so, so Jonathan Glazer is the director of zone of interest for those of you who aren't like keyed into this like we are which i keep forgetting so and we also haven't just explained what a lot of these movies are about so we're really doing a bad job of upselling these movies to people <laughs> just as a note for future True. episodes because <laughs> like we all know what they're about like we've read the wikipedia pages for all these movies but no one else's so um jonathan glazer uh director of the zone of interest this this soul crushing but artistically amazing adaptation of martin amos novel about nazi germany um Banality of Germany. evil. Sorry, yeah, it's 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 uh, a Nazis. Nazi Nazi family living adjacent Poland, to. Right? Isn't it? It's Auschwitz, right? Which is I think Auschwitz. it's Auschwitz. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Fun. and so that's going to be counted as an international feature, and it's likely going to get a nomination in an international feature. But people are liking it enough that it could pop up in a bunch of other places. But he's British, but the production is considered Polish and German and British, possibly. I feel like we talked about this before, and I don't remember what we said, but because we did look it up. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it's listed as. It's listed as a Polish. So I don't think he checks. I don't think he he likes only sort of checks the European box. Right. To me. Um, Now, what about Yorgos Lanthimos, who's also European? (laughs) That's the thing. Is that enough? (laughs) It wasn't enough for me. I'm just going to put it out there. Oh, you didn't put him on here? No, no, he, they're both on there, but that wasn't enough for the weirdo European checkbox. Right. That's what I'm right, saying. Right, because he is, I mean, you can tell by his name, he's Greek, yeah. right? And I didn't want to just assume that, I guess. Uh, uh, <laughs> or I don't want to feel like I read that somewhere. Um, but he's he's Greek, but the poor, poor things and most of his movies are in English, right? So... He does not like poor things does not count as an international feature. So can he himself is international. His movies are not really. So I don't know if he checks that box. So, so for context, the, when I say recent trend last year, I, my big Oscar prediction winning moment was I correctly predicted Ruben Oslin for triangle of sadness in best director, which not a lot of people had on their predictions lists before, right before nominations came out. And that was my, my logic was, okay, who's going to be the, and like the director of cold war also. And then just every year there's been one international, so, someone who's nominated, usually the front runner in an international feature, that director gets nominated here. Um, 
I thought about Justin Trier as checking this box for Anatomy of a Fall. She's actually French. That movie is partially in English, but also in French and German, potentially. Um, I, I will give it away. That was my, that's my choice. She's, oh, I have, okay. she was my fifth slotted in. But here's why I ended up backing off from that. It's because she's a woman. Yeah, it's tough. And Greta Gerwig, I feel like because she's like the Tom Cruise of this year, although he didn't get nominated either. You know what I mean? Like he, mm-hmm. I don't know if I could use it as a comparison, but like she's going to get the thanks for making us lots of money bump. And the Academy already likes her. Like she's she's got nominated for Little Women for not bet I can't remember now. She did get nominated for director for. Women. She got nominated but didn't win. But didn't win. Yeah. So like she has a track. She, like she's gotten into this category before, and when even when she wasn't making billions of dollars. So like, I and I feel like there's not room because the Directors Guild is not going to nominate two women. I don't know. That's sad. But that's, Sorry, that's she was yeah, it. she was nominated best director for Lady Bird, not for Little Women. Oh, not for Little Women. Okay, but she did get she got screenplay for she got screenplay nomination for, for both. Women. Yeah. Okay. okay. No wins though, so, which is wild. So, and I feel like Barbie is so much more mainstream than Lady Bird. So, I feel like she's. I feel pretty good about putting her in at this point. And I'm like, I don't think there's room for another female director, which again is a huge problem. <laughs> That I have to use that kind of logic <laughs> Again, to make my predictions. Not predicting what should happen, just predicting yes. what we think will happen. Yeah, I, I went the opposite of that, which was I had Greta at five, and then I was like, but is there enough of a wild card here? And I put uh, Justine sure. Trier in. And that does make more sense. Anatomy of a Fall. And then I, I assume we have the same other two for, right. Scors- from two of the other three bigs. Yeah, I have Scorsese and Nolan. Right. Yeah, so I have Scorsese, Scorsese, for Killers of the Flower Moon, Nolan for Oppenheimer, Jonathan Glazer for Zone of Interest, Greta Gerwig for Barbie, Yorgos Lanthimos for Four Things. Yeah. And I'm not happy about it from a prediction standpoint. I'm I like, mean, this doesn't feel... Oh, I see. You you feel like it, it doesn't have the, the wild card yeah. weirdness in it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I felt... I, and I, I feel similar in that, like, I have my wild card, but then I'm like, are they really going to... Screw over Greta Gerwig. And you're also... The, you're on the other side of my argument. Right. And also, wouldn't there be some level of thinking of people being like, what if we nominated two women? Like, we could do two women this year. Maybe we could then go like three or four years with no women. And that would be fine. Because we had that one year with two. So hopefully they're not thinking that way. But who knows? Uh, the, these these wacky, wacky Academy voters. But uh, I, I kind of feel like... I mean, it's supposed to be a triumph. And it's supposed to be so well done but i think that i would think jonathan glazer would drop out before justine trier Mm. from my list just because that movie just might be too heavy right i think that like a lot of people loved under the skin when it came out i don't think that people were like under the skin it's going to get all these awards which was his last movie which was a sci-fi very strange sci-fi movie starring scarlett johansson i don't think that there was a lot of hype for that but I could see this being a movie that just crashes against the the way I know that movies about World War II and movies about the Holocaust tend to get a lot of uh, support and attention, but this one might be too bleak and too brutal. So mm-hmm. I think that if I were to say I got to revise this because I think Gerwig has to be in, I would replace Glazer before, uh, before Trier. But maybe Anatomy of a Fall comes out and is just sort of those weird French people picked this movie for Cannes, <laughs> and I don't. We don't know anything about that. 
but it's supposed to be incredible. And the the trailer for that one, which I have seen uh, before Jen quizzes me, looks amazing. And uh, I'm very excited to see that movie in, I think, under a month. It comes out in about a month. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. That's exciting. Uh, honorable mentions that you think are worth mentioning. I think Celine Song should be in here, but she's not going to be. Agreed. My, I have written down, if another woman is getting in, it's Justin Tree. <laughs> nice. She's third in line and it's just not going to happen. Yeah. I um, deeply appreciate that you write like full sentence notes, whereas I just write lists of things and then hope that I remember. Well, what I have to remember through. my rationale. Like my, I need support. I need support for my arguments. This uh, is this is why Jen's better at this than I am, <laughs> folks in the audience. <laughs> I had um, Alexander Payne is possible. Yeah. I mean, if the holdovers really pushes forward, there could be the Payne's only ever one screenplay. You know, he yeah. doesn't have a director. I, actually, the next sentence is that movie feels more like a screenplay win. Uh, so at least we're we're in tune on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I couldn't I couldn't think of because. So here's the thing. The Directors Guild has a reputation of being a little snotty. Mm-hmm. And they they really love auteurs, big names. So that's why I feel like, I don't know, a lot of these are not I don't think are going anywhere. Yeah, I, especially Scorsese and Nolan, I feel like they're locks. Right, and I think the you know the thing is is you have like every every non Lily Gladstone name from Killers of the Flower Moon that we've put out there, uh, including we didn't name the uh, uh, Roth as the screenwriter, but you know everyone's won. They've all won Oscar. DiCaprio, De Niro, Scorsese have won before, but there is a little degree of like don't they deserve another? And if the movie's really good, it's like, it, this could be like, yes, this is a pinnacle. This is an achievement, late career achievement for De Niro and Scorsese. And, you know, the 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 next stage of DiCaprio's career, perhaps. And he, you know, he won, he won for The Revenant after a long time of waiting, Bradley Cooper style. But was it, you know, is that enough? And also like, who thinks about The Revenant? Like maybe he needs another movie that like we actually feel really good about. So I think that, you know, there is that, argument for Scorsese that's there the Christopher Nolan argument is never won nominated not even that often I don't think I think Inception I actually don't know I know he's gotten some screenplay nominations mm. uh, Memento I think and Inception Interstellar nominated. maybe but but still there there is a sort of he is maybe the biggest brand name director sure. the biggest youngest brand name director uh, that you know, and in terms he sort of, of straddles the auteur block, but like mainstream. Yeah, like, but like he opens. Well. Yeah, you open a movie on his name, yeah. like that's. And I think there's some degree of okay, that's good. But I think there's also some degree of they don't particularly like him enough. It was Dunkirk right. was the other one. Right, right. Um, oh, yeah, so it was, it's Dunkirk Inception, and then he got which was both uh, director and picture, and then screenplay for Memento. Uh, which is a, a great nomination. But so I think that the thing with Nolan as the, he's had all these chances, he's very big, um, you know, maybe he's overdue, combined with Martin Scorsese. He's very old. He's won before, but you know, maybe we got to give it to him again, has really pushed out both Ridley Scott and Michael Mann, who could very easily have the sort of combination of those of like, they're very old. They're both in their eighties. Right, right, right. They've, they've never won. I'm just, I'm just not confident enough in those movies. Right. To that's, feel like that's they the thing. should be in here at this point. Right. Obviously they haven't 
come out yet. So yeah, I um, yeah, it doesn't sound like seen, people have seen Ferrari. They're not going nuts over it. So that's exactly. I was going to say it doesn't sound like Ferrari has has the uh, momentum, as it were. Yeah. Uh, and you know, again, the black box of Napoleon. Who who knows? <laughs> I would I would adore it R- for Ridley reasons Scott we'll get just to. Like we're locking this movie down for reasons we'll get to in like. 10 to 15 minutes. I would love for Napoleon to be very successful. Okay. How about but, we get to uh, it now? Um, I think well, Ray we got to had... do Best Picture and then we'll do yeah. the draft. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see. I thought, I thought uh, but we anyway, were... let's, yeah, we'll go to picture. So how do we want to do this? Uh, <laughs> I will just list them. We, we, we're at, we're almost yeah, at let's... the two hour mark. And I actually yeah. forgot about the intro that we had to start over the recording. So it's actually more than two hours. <laughs> we can oh. do that. No, but so, we only recorded for like four minutes. Oh, okay. Then. So, oh, sure. And, I and hopefully, we, maybe you'll forget to cut this part out and the people will realize that we need, we screwed up the intro or I screwed up the intro. That's okay. No, the internet screwed up the intro. Anyway, I'm, okay. I'm definitely cutting this out now. We're talking about too long. Fine. Um, <laughs> okay. Best picture. Here's my list. I'm just going to go down the list from most confident to least confident. That's more, it's not quite exactly keyed in that way but i think it's more mostly i like it oppenheimer killers of the Star moon poor things we've we've keep those are the three that we keep talking about and yep. barbie gets in that was more of a question before doing got pushed but i think it can take it can very easily take the sort of top gun maverick um avatar way of water sort of mainstream blockbuster spot anatomy of a fall Zone of interest, which I really struggled. I was like, can both of these get in here? But I think it again, it's the like, they're only sort of international <laughs> in different ways. And so I feel like they're in, because of that, they're and and because they've been so consistently well received yeah. since since they premiered at Cannes and won those awards, right? Like I think they just kind of have kept kept in the conversation really strongly. So for now I'm keeping them both in. As things change over time, I may have to take one out. The holdovers. Past lives, though that probably, based on our conversation today, probably should be further down. <laughs> Maestro, and then because I do think like, you know, uh, there's a phrase that Oscar pundits use called your Oscar puzzle, where like, not only can you have an you have to have an argument for why something's getting nominated in an individual category, but then you also kind of have to zoom out and be like, okay, well, how many nominations is this movie getting, and if it's getting this many nominations, why isn't it in my list for best picture and vice versa, right? Like it's hard to justify having a movie in best picture if it doesn't have a bunch of major nominations in other categories. Um, so for that reason, I feel like I said maestro enough times that I feel like it's for now, at least it should be in here. And then my last spot, I really, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and I feel like typically the end of the list goes smaller so last year, like women talking, triangle of sadness, like those ones like sort of snuck in. People weren't sure if they were going to make it in. Especially women talking. People were like, wow. Let me talk. <laughs> hey, all right. The candidate got in. I didn't think that would happen. Um, so right now, because again, it's got that surprise momentum. I have American fiction. And I feel like I would, if I were to do this, update this at, right afterwards after we stop recording, I would probably swap out Jeffrey Wright for Bradley Cooper like you did. Um, and that, and then from an Oscar puzzle perspective, that makes sense where if it has a screenplay, it has an acting, it could get into the best picture. Um, but I feel like air, if it, if it is the sleeper 
the sleeper wild card. And if it if it um gets in screenplay, but then somewhere else, like if weirdly Viola Davis gets nominated for supporting actress or something weird like that, and it's like it becomes a thing, then it could get in here. Um, All of us strangers. That's the one I was like, wait, shouldn't I have this somewhere? Um, Because it has been has gotten so much buzz. But I also feel like it's a very it's like the women talking. It's a very small movie, very intimate movie. And so there aren't that many spots for that in Best Picture. And I can't think of where it would get unless it gets in unless Andrew Scott gets in for Best Actor, unless it gets a screenplay. And I didn't have it in any of those places. So I can't really right now with my current predictions list, I can't really justify it in Best Picture. But I feel like if I were to change some other predictions, it could be. Yeah, I f- fully, I almost fully agree. We're nine, we're nine of ten together. <laughs> I do, I do have Maestro in at Best Picture, despite my Maestro fade. Yeah, uh, yeah. I feel like it's Netflix is going to be in shambles basically, and that they're going to be pushing <laughs> Maestro. I kind of think Maestro stumbles a little, but they're like, we've pot committed to this. We got to just keep going. So. Maestro. And again, I feel like if they can have an actor-driven campaign, if the strike ends, yes, that would might make it. That very would different. push it over the edge for sure. Like if we can but, get Brad- Bradley Cooper on the campaign circuit. But I feel like there there's some. I mean, to go back, you know, there's some technical components to it that, you know, we were joking. The nose doesn't play. I kind of feel like a makeup nomination is oh, still kind of there, yeah. just because yeah. it's so prominent. Uh, plus, you know, it is possible. I had I had them right underneath screen. You know, screenplay. Uh, Carrie Mulligan, Bradley Cooper acting. Uh, so I, I had that in for for Best Picture. Uh, my sort of sneaking in last minute was Past Lives. That's sort of like the small movie um, there at the end. Uh, and I, again, sort of like maybe just holding on to old momentum. I had The Color Purple as nine yeah. and then Past Lives. I made 10. a very distinct decision to be like Color Purple is out. Fair. A lot but, of my decisions based on that. So that if that's wrong, then I have to go back and change a lot of stuff. Well, I do still think that like sound and song and oh, maybe true. even score could get color purple, like a few little like sub nominations, which means that like it might that might be enough. And then again, like it could it could pop. But yeah, I mean again, we're we're in the zone of what what's the reaction to things? Like what about like what if people are like actually no, we we don't care about the Italian accents. We love Ferrari or Napoleon's actually great. It's true. Yeah, the Formula we, One crowd could really come out and yeah, support. We, yeah. we actually think that stories of uh, teachers marrying their underage students is good. We want to see May, December. Uh, uh, I can't believe that, that we you you pointed out that there's a total double standard between Priscilla and May, December. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. It's like, it's uh-huh. okay if, if Elvis robs the cradle, but it's not okay if Julianne Moore does. But um, I mean, I think that part of the Priscilla narrative is that this was not okay. Like this right, is actually, this movie is about how you you well, I don't kind know. of it's based, it's based on Priscilla Presley's memoir. Yeah, but I thought I heard that like they don't shy away from okay, the, like they don't necessarily like make it a moralizing tale. But, but it's she, also like she they, has been on a press tour, being like Elvis was very like Elvis didn't do what you thought he did. He was very yeah. I, I guess I guess of maybe I'm thinking age. of yes I'm thinking of seeing people talking not having seen the movie but talking about having read her biography that the script is based on and saying like all these stories were presented as fun and or happy memories that are just very clearly stories of grooming and abuse 
that <laughs> like you know that is like oh context free like you can see that but like this person clearly thinks this was all a good thing and like that's i don't know if that's going to carry forward you know i i did have priscilla on my longish list of additional possible movies uh along with the boy and the heron and across the spider-verse like who knows some animated no, no. okay don't get my hopes up all right i just and- i don't i there there's no evidence in oscar's history to show that and no matter how acclaimed they are that animated features are gonna other than like he you know there was a period where like beauty and the beast Right, and the Pixar, Toy, Toy a Pixar movies. Yeah, but we're we're that's over. That time is over. But you know what, Jen? Uh, nothing happens until the first time it happens. <laughs> sure, that's true. I'm just saying, the evidence is not in the, in favor of this prediction. Fair. I would love that for the be the to be the I know. case. I'm protecting. Uh, I, I I would just love the movie to be excellent, uh, and that's not just because of the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was looking back at our anticipated movies draft that we did. Back in March, I think, March or April, we did a very early uh, pre, pre hype. Sort of. Yeah, beginning post the last Oscars of what were the movies we were most thinking of. We went back and forth and uh, each selected a movie uh, and drafted it. And how are you feeling about your team these days, Jen? It's rough. It's rough out here. Um, <laughs> so I had Dune 2. That's not even in the running now. That's t- that's I had Across funny. the Spider-Verse, which, you know, see our conversation from three seconds ago. Um, <laughs> I mean, but it is it is going to do well in animated feature. And you um, like the movie. I mean, the movie was good. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So you can't get me out of Oscar pundit mode. It's, I know. It's that's really your, you're really locked in. <laughs> um, and then... Uh, Right, but so yeah, that that was great. I'm glad I picked that across the Spider Verse. Yeah, sorry, I'm my brain is now switching over into I like movies. Uh, who to thunk? Um, not like cynical Oscar prediction uh, mindset. Um, I mean, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I enjoyed that movie a lot, but I think largely it was underperformed, just with critics and fans and at the box office. Yeah, Greg. I mean, Greg, I, I, Greg I will, is the one single-handedly supporting that movie financially. That's true. I mean, he, yeah, seen it. he has. I think he has a share of it now. Uh, I think <laughs> he's got a point on the back end. I, but I, I will just say, in the end, the critics and fans, I feel like we're pretty okay with. It. Like, it didn't blow people away. Yeah, 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 sure. But you know, it, it, I don't think it was that bad. I will also it's say, not, it's not winning the summer. No, I, I will say though that I thought it would. Yeah, that would have been fun. I, uh, Dune Part Two moving, I think, does open the door for a John Williams score nomination because that's a, a locked in uh, nomination for Zimmer is taken out, and that could be a Williams I like it. opening. I like it. Yeah, um, the Killer, which, as I said, like it's still on track to being a good movie. So I'm, I'm, I'm still saying I'm excited. I'm ex- still excited for that movie. I saw the trailer. Michael Fassbender in a bucket hat. I'm here for it. Um, <laughs> like, I think I misunderstood. I thought the killer meant serial killer initially, but he's actually a contract killer. Yeah. Like he's a hitman. Uh, and so it's very much a, like, I'm a detached professional assassin and something goes wrong. And now I have to like do all these other things. So, uh, which sounds great. That sounds fun. Um, it, it's so. interesting. The, the description of the plot and the way the character is presented sounds like it was David Fincher making a Michael Mann movie. And that right. sounds fun to me. That does sound fun. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm excited for it, even if it doesn't have Oscar potential. Um, and 
Saltburn, as we said, that's a tough beat from an from an awards perspective, I think, potentially, unless it has some kind of groundswell of support. Um, as Promising a Woman sort of did at some point during the Oscar season that year. Um, but I'm still excited for it. I mean, we just saw the talented Mr. Ripley, the big picture hosted a screening of it. I had never seen it before somehow. This this very much seems like Salpern seems like a successor to the talented Mr. Ripley. Emerald Fennell has said, you know, that she's sort of traumatized by her experience going to Oxford. And then this movie is very much like trying to like work through some of those issues because because it's a two characters. Jacob Lordy plays sort of like a. What's the word I'm looking for? Aristocrat. Yeah, where they get really like a, a a British aristocrat whose family owns this estate called Saltburn, and or at least I think that's what it is. And then uh, he befriends at school Barry Hogan's character, who is from a not from a well-to-do family. Like he's like you know his background is is class-wise from a diff- very different place, and so then the then the they, he gets asked, like, Jacob Elordi asks Barry Kogan's character to go stay probably for the summer or something like that at Saltburn, this, like, crazy fancy estate in England, and chaos ensues, I think is the, <laughs> it's the correct tagline after that. Um, but in a very talented, like, people have said the, 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 it just, it's descending from talented Mr. Ripley very pretty clearly, um, but that it's also kind of just, like, a wild ride um so like i'm still very interested in that movie i'm not as high on it in anticipation because of the critical reception was kind of mixed saltburn could have a bounce back actually just because you know it seems like the kind of movie that maybe doesn't appeal particularly to critics and that they might be particularly harsh on it they may have that this is like talented mr ripley but not as strong maybe and then when it gets out people are like actually this is great and the acting is really good but you your team your team with maybe one exception. One and a half exceptions, maybe. <laughs> it depends. Uh, it's certainly in terms of like award conversation. So uh, confounding experts uh, and frankly, even myself, I did take Killers of the Flower Moon first, uh, which Jen, I, I don't think has forgiven me yet, especially now that Dune Part 2 was delayed. So I'm just mad at myself. That's all. She feels like I set her up maybe. I don't know. She's never said that. I'm making that up entirely. Um, but Killers of the Flower Moon, we're on track here. You know, we've, we're, 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 I'm putting them in, you know, I'm, try, I'm just trying to coach them up, put them in the best position to win. Uh, and so far, so good. Very excited to see the movie. Uh, Past Lives, adored here at the Long Take Review across the board. Um, what a masterpiece. What an excellent movie. Will it actually get Academy Award nominations? We don't know. Also, a, a very painful potential This Had Oscar Buzz uh, episode a, a year or two down the line. Because that oh, would be no. a disaster. But hey, I don't want to even contemplate that. I know, uh, but uh, you know, uh, incredible movie, and is you know, been ensconced at my number one spot for the whole since I saw it for for the most of the year, and or at least since the beginning of the summer. And uh, you know, I don't know how it's not going to end up at least in the top five. It, it would be it would be an amazing year if if there are enough movies that could bounce it down from there. Uh, then was Napoleon, which we've discussed all episode. Uh, you may have, you know, noticed my self interest slipping in, where I'm just like, "What it about could Napoleon?" Be a dark horse, because on paper it does feel very Oscar baity, and yeah. it's really Scott. 
who both a director we both enjoy. So we both enjoy. I I feel pretty good that I like the movie. The trailer is very fun. I had a very. I went to uh, the local my, my my local theater, the Alamo Draft House, to watch uh, Doctor Strangelove, an old Stanley Kubrick movie. A Killers of the Flower Moon trailer, Napoleon trailer, uh, and there was one other. And now I can't remember what it was. There was another big uh, Oscar movie. And I was just like, yes, feed me. Feed me these future Oscar <laughs> movies. Uh, and the Napoleon trailer looks great on the big screen. And it looks like it'll be very exciting. Uh, could come and go. Could very much be a last duel, which is a movie I really enjoyed, but uh, just sort of faded, uh, immediately faded away. But, you know, feel it, it, it'll be interesting. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I feel like the killer for you and, and Napoleon for me are, are sort of similar. Like I know you've got some killer reviews, but we still feel pretty good. We're going to like it, but we don't know how good it's going to be and what the awards uh, play will be. With, and it could very easily, you know, cash out with nothing. My fourth movie was The Boy and the Heron, the Miyazaki movie. Had I don't know title. how I let. I don't know how I let this happen. I, you know, I'll be you. We were during the draft. You were saying like, "There's a movie on the board." We both kind of want it. And I was like, I'll leave it for you because I think it's more your thing. And you were thinking Indiana Jones. And so you took it. And that was great. But then uh, then I was like, well, I, I think I have to take the boy in there. And then so, uh, yeah, so I, I, did. Out, I out strategized myself. It's yeah. like, it's just, well, I just, I just assumed the boy in the heron would be there. If you want to talk out strategizing uh, yourself, I will say my, my fifth movie was Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, uh, all punctuation included, uh, which was a super fun time. Not as good as the last trilogy of movies, the the four, five, and six in the series, but real solid. I didn't go see it again in the theater. I, I kept kicking around the idea of doing it, but I'm very excited to get it when it's available at home, watching it again in the background multiple times. Uh, but uh, I... I did go back and listen to the recording to see if my notes uh, lined up with my thinking. I skipped. I had two movies that were up underneath Killers of the Flower Moon and Past Lives. I skipped all of them. The The top one of those, which I did name right after I took Mission Impossible, was Poor Things. So I was, I was right there. I had it slotted at number three, but I was like, I don't think it's coming out this year. I thought it was going to be out. It was going to be held back for 2024, so I didn't take it. But I would be in easy street if I had taken that one. I would be feeling really so, good. So I think the most egregious thing for both of us is that neither of us had Barbie. Correct. And neither of us had Oppenheimer. <laughs> Did we discuss that we that we didn't take either of those? I feel like I remember finishing the draft being like we both intentionally held back from those two movies. Because they were right. Because I think we just hyped. weren't sure. All, yeah, I mean, we weren't sure. Yeah, we we're like they're getting a lot of hype, but we're not sure. So right, and it was still early enough that like there was like conceptual hype, but we hadn't really seen a lot from either of them. And there was a part of me that was like, "Are we like? Is this going to be more Interstellar or Tenet?" Which I was iffy on for Nolan. I don't know. Uh, I didn't know he was doing maybe his masterpiece. Like that's. Uh, yeah, that that is on us. We we should have seen we should have seen that, or at least right. had that's them the hindsight on, is twenty twenty. Yeah, thing. we should have at least had them more on the radar. But uh, but yeah, we, that that's a disaster. We whiffed we whiffed on Barbenheimer. It's fine. That's okay. <laughs> um, but okay, you know, r- right now, premature, less premature than before. I do feel pretty good. 
I feel like you took some bad beats in terms of release dates and uh, initial reactions. But you know what? Plenty of, plenty of game left to play. I feel like there's a lot of possibilities for you to snake, uh, snake some good positions here. Uh, I don't want Killers of the Flower Moon to end up in the Irishman Fableman's territory, but it's very possible. Oof, yeah. I mean, we just—I just wanted to be good. I don't. Need I, I do too. Of, I don't need it to win tons of Oscars necessarily. I just wanted to be good. I have. We're we're so deep into this, and Jen re- really wants to stop. I can tell, but I will just note uh, for the viewer, the, the listeners who may not know, I'm slowly trying to work my way through the Sight and Sound Top 100. I'm doing the best I can to see as many of those movies in the theater as possible. Uh, not, I'm trying-ish. I'm not going to every single possible screening, but when I can, I'll go, even if it's a movie I've already seen. So all that's a lead up to say, I went and saw Goodfellas at uh, one of the rep theaters nearby, uh, Vidiots in Eagle Rock. Uh, and it, it, obviously, incredible movie, great screening, great theater, highly recommended. And it's just so good. And when Scorsese's flying, he's incredible. And the sort of talk of, you were saying it's his best movie since X. And, you know, some people are like, best movie since Silence, best movie since The Departed. Like, you know, not going that far back. But there are some people who are, it's the best movie since Goodfellas. And if that's yeah. true, with all the great movies he's done in between, man, what, how incredible. Yeah. Martin Scorsese, good yes. director. He's good. He's good. At, he's good at this. He's got a future. Uh, all right. Um, so I think... We have we have given this the full long take treatment. <laughs> and they call short For take sure. Review. Yep. Uh, where can folks find the long take review on the internet, PT? Uh, well, the, they can find us on uh, Instagram at the long take review. Uh, they could find us on Threads when I remember to check Threads. Uh, we are we're on there. Uh, and they can uh, send us an email at thelongtakereview at gmail.com if they have any questions, uh, they have any uh, requests or suggestions of episodes as we enter what might be a little bit of a dry period before uh, all these movies come out. We've been kind of kicking around some ideas of what we might cover, some smaller movies, uh, some older things. Uh, we well, don't we're going to have to review all the movies that we just That's true. I, I guess I guess that was a bigger thought, like, in early August when we were initially talking about doing this episode and now it's taken us like six weeks to get them all done. So it's less of an issue, but you know, still there's going to be potentially a downtime because of the strike uh, in the future. So any, any thoughts or suggestions or questions, anything along those lines, the long take review at gmail.com. Great. And you can find me on Instagram and threads at subchakchai, S O P C H O C K. C-H-A-I, and on Letterboxd at Qui-Gon Jen. Uh, and you can also read written reviews of movies or anything Star Wars or Marvel related on thelongtake.substack.com. And you can hear Jen every week during oh, the true. run of uh, Ahsoka, the new Star Wars show, on the Coffee with Kenobi podcast, which are, they've been great episodes uh, with you. you and Dan and Ross. So make sure to check that out. If you like Star Wars and Ahsoka. I'm just saying that if someone's still listening and they've heard us talk about the Oscars for two hours, I don't know. I just didn't want to assume that they would also be interested in Star Wars. Other than Greg, who's listening to this. Hi, Greg. But here's (laughs) the thing is if they listen all the way through because they they are interested in all of this and they want to hear an hour, an hour and a half every week talking about a new Star Wars show, you're required to email us at thelongtakereview at gmail.com because now you're our friend. 
you've automatically become our friend and we have to hang out. You're in. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening. You can follow The Long Take on Substack at thelongtake.substack.com. Subscribe for free to receive reviews of films with Oscar buzz, as well as new films and series from pop franchises like Star Wars and Marvel.